the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. This is FM uh, 101.1, The Answer. The Dave Ellswick Show, and Dave is out uh, the last few days to uh, attend his granddaughter's graduation, Um, one of those milestones that you do not miss as a grandparent. And uh, we're going to have a great afternoon for you this afternoon. We've got a great show. Uh, in with with me in studio is uh, Miss Meg Matthews. She's the public information coordinator uh, for the last two years for the um, Arkansas State Parks and Tourism Department. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and on the live line we have Kim Williams. Uh, she's the travel writer for the uh, um, Arkansas Travel um, uh, State Parks and, and Tourism. That's right. There you hey, go. Greg. And director of Arkansas's Great River Road. There you go. I so, didn't know that. Don't, so, yeah. don't worry about Kim. Will make sure that that she that you know everything you need to know. So I don't. About I don't need to. Don't need to delta. guess. Kim will fill me in. Exactly. Yes. About <laughs> the Delta. It's all about the Delta. All about mm-hmm. the Delta. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. let's, Kim. While we got you on that subject, let's just jump in and and uh, fly into the Delta. And what's going on now? We got school out. School's out for the summer, and. Yeah. Um, now we're into to big tourism season. Um, what can I go do in the Delta that I couldn't, that Anywhere I probably else? don't know about? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, Alan, I've, I've got to give a shout out to one of the things that we've been most excited about for the past five years, actually, is Historic Dice Colony, Johnny Cash Boyhood Home. Nice. For people that have not been, I have probably been at least 20 times. Wow. Uh, I will say, honestly, I was never, you know, growing up, not the biggest Johnny Cash fan. And then when I joined Arkansas Tourism and realized, you know, the impact he had had on Arkansas as a whole, of course, I became a fan. But when you go to that home and you see where this little three-year-old boy moved and spent 15 years of his life and how, even when you listen to the music that he did years and years later, um, He was impacted by living in the Arkansas Delta, especially by the flood of 1937. So that is a great place to go. Kids, adults, if you love music, it's a must. If you are a history buff, it is a must. I was just going to say, because the reason why the whole community is there is that it was built um, because of a federal program. And so many people don't know that. Okay, well, you mentioned mentioned the flood. Uh, I have to jump in here. You mentioned that flood. He was influenced by is there a song that the waters are rising? Is, is five that feet high and rising? Five yeah. feet high and rising. I thought so. Okay, and go he ahead. Wrote, he wrote that, and I remember. I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, Alan. So I'm going to apologize to everybody listening. Don't don't text. You're going to get to, some to emails. All the, the Johnny yeah. Cash aficionados out there. Yes, exactly. But you know, like the chickens being in the trees. I mean, all of that was was real. I mean, yeah. he lived through that with his parents and his siblings. And you can go there. And like Meg said, 
for the history buffs, it's not just about Johnny Cash and the music. It tells the story um, of the Dice Colony, which was opened by the WPA during the uh, FDR administration. In fact, Eleanor Roosevelt was actually there, met a young Johnny Cash when she officially opened Dice. Wow. And But it was a great way for farming families who were having a really hard time. The government gave them this land. They worked it. You know, they supported their family, and Ray Cash and his wife Carrie and their children were one of the first families. So they moved from Kingsland to Dice, and um, the rest is pretty much history. And the fact that it it was there for so long, I remember the day that Johnny Cash died, and I was actually working for a TV station at that time, and I went there, and his home had not been... Uh, renovated and put back to the way it was before and it was a shame um, it, because it, it, was it sad. yeah it needed to be and I tell you especially well Kim will tell you um, foreign visitors people who come from out of the country are just fascinated with it yes and in, in fact it's it's a very interesting story before Arkansas State University and their Arkansas Heritage Sites program saved it. And when I say, Alan, that they saved that house, I'm saying they saved it. It was almost in shambles. Somebody was actually living there. Pretty much a pile of kindling by the time they got there? Yes, pretty much. But the interesting thing was international visitors would fly into Memphis and they would do, you know, the Whole Sun Studios. They would do Graceland. They would do, you know, other music things, and they would get on buses and drive the dice and just wow. stand on the gravel road. That is a true story. That is a true story. And as of the last time I spoke with Dr. Ruth Hawkins, I think we've had visitors from over 50 countries, wow. all 50 states. It is absolutely Amazing. Yeah, so how, really how we've far had is, so many hidden treasures yeah. that we're now, yeah. you know, yeah. how we're far, now getting out there. How far is Dice from Arkansas? Well, you mean from Little, Rock? From, from, sorry, from, <laughs> from Little Rock? I'm sorry. From Little Rock, yes. Uh, I'd say, what, Meg, two and a half? Yeah, it's about, it's a couple hours. I mean, I did the story in a day, so yeah, it'd be two, two and a half hours. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a little off the beaten track, Um but it's it's easy to find and um, and like you say now that it is an actual place and a place to for international visitors to stop because that is a big thing with us right now I, th- yeah. I think we have really overlooked that and and we are really focused on uh, bringing people in because they're interested in the history of Arkansas because it's so rich absolutely and you can't you know you cannot talk about music in Arkansas and our true musical heritage without talking about Johnny Cash. Also talking about a man that was raised in Helena named Harold Jenkins that the world would become to know or would come to know as Conway Twitty. I (laughs) do believe today is Conway Twitty Day in Arkansas. Yes. No kidding. As proclaimed by Governor Asa Hutchinson, we had a huge celebration in the pouring down rain on Friday in historic Helena with uh, almost all of Conway's children. His oldest son, Michael, uh, could not attend because he had the flu. And so, yes, today, Conway Twitty Day in Arkansas, so... Hello, darling, to everybody. But today is the 25th anniversary of the day that Conway passed away. Well, he was only 59. Yes. I had no idea he was that young. He was so prolific during his short life. Yes. Do you know it's interesting because as I was doing some PR 
on Conway Twitty Day. I read this, and I'm sure I knew it, but I really didn't know it. He holds the record for 50 consecutive number one hits. Nobody has ever beat that. No kidding. Consecutive hits. Not the Beatles, not Elvis, no one Consecutive even, hits. Consecutives. Every song he, every he, song, he sang or wrote became a hit 50 times in a row. 50 times, absolutely. Can absolutely. I, I, ju- I just remembered this, and I just want to say it. Last night at the Arkansas Country Hall of Fame, the um, Ozark State Park, the Ozark Folk Center, was named as best venue for music. So, mm-hmm. we, yeah. Well, Country music and us. We're like we're like this now. I'm using a visual which works great on the radio. Well, it's I mean, fingers we, crossed. We are streaming, so oh, that's, it, that's right. Oh, there I am. Yeah, okay. there's there's your camera. Um, but uh, well, we're going to take a quick break here, trying to make make a little money for the station. Um, <laughs> hang on to that thought. We're going to come right back and and talk more about all the great treasures in in Arkansas. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick on 101.1 The Answer. I've got with me in studio Meg Matthews, uh, the public information coordinator for uh, the Arkansas State Parks. And on the live line, I've got Kim Williams. Uh, she's the travel writer for Arkansas. We've been talking about all the interesting things that, that go on in Arkansas. Now that summer's here, we want to uh, want to make sure that all Arkansans know what a great treasure they have right here in their backyard. And when I say backyard, I'm talking just a couple hours away. We were just talking about... Uh, um, Johnny Cash's Johnny Cash's yeah Johnny Cash's uh, house in um, in, Dice. That? in Dice, Dice Arkansas a couple it, it, hours it's from pronounced here. Dice like a die yeah but it's spelled D Y E S S so so if you're yeah. looking it up just yeah. so you know and, yeah. and of course today is Conway Twitty Day in Arkansas that's been pro- uh, proclaimed by the governor mm-hmm. uh, Conway Twitty's been gone how many years twenty five years today twenty five years hmm. Kim. wow. 25 years today. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, Alan, because when Helena started uh, planning this event, really there's not – now, again, last night, I do believe, was the uh, Arkansas Country Music Association, and I, I believe that they um, honored him and Glenn Campbell. But other than that and his posthumous induction into the Arkansas Entertainers Hall of Fame, a lot hasn't been done with with Conway and that's and that really is a shame you know he's in the Country Music Hall of Fame he's in the Rockabilly Hall of Fame and so Helena is very excited as well as his family that we are doing something to honor him and so the uh, historic marker that was unveiled on Friday again in the pouring down rain so if you see photos You'll know that we we all look like you know wet animals, um, but it's going to be the first of ten that Helena wow. is, uh, is going to focus on promoting the musical heritage of Helena and Phillips County. Well, yeah, you know, Meg and I were just talking about uh, the fact that Glenn Campbell has gone kind of unrecognized in Gillette, Arkansas. That that we need in delight. Need, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, delight. Yeah, I get Gillette and delight mixed up. But uh, well, Gillette is delightful. It is delightful. Yes, it is because it's in the Arkansas Delta. There you go. <laughs> she, will, well, she will not stop. She's, no, she's, I will not. She's pro Delta, that's for sure. So you'll have to. You'll have to cut me off. Yeah. So and you know, it, we haven't. And here is here. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but the thing is, we do have so much musical heritage in Arkansas, but we don't have a lot of infrastructure. Johnny Cash being an exception. The Ozark Folk Center 
being the exception. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this, Glenn Campbell, and I did not know this until we received an email at info at Arkansas.com. Mr. Campbell is actually buried in delight, and there are Mm -hmm. people that are coming to his gravesite burial location. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, by the way, because I was just telling Alan, on you have to go through it to get to Crater of Diamonds. So again, international visitors fascinated with it, and uh, you know, I I think that we've just been as Arkansans a little too humble about our musical heritage, and we're just now recognizing how important it was, and we can say with pride, yes, those people are from Arkansas, and we are going to do something about it. Well, you know, a great example. Sister Rosetta Tharp. A lot of people don't know about Sister Rosetta. Born and raised in Cotton Plant, Arkansas. Exactly. In the Arkansas Delta, by the way. Another great metropolis. (laughs) Well, (laughs) but she was just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Because she was so influential. Yes, she started with gospel music and she took it secular and she made a tremendous mark on the music that we know today. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. I'm going to stay in the Delta, but I'm going to move away from music for just a second. Okie dokie. Um, because we want to encourage people to get outside. And there are a couple things in the Delta that are great for cyclists. Cycling is getting to be a huge thing in now Arkansas. Now you're getting into my, to my okay. stream, yeah. Because in the Delta, I'll tell you, it's my way of cycling. It's nice and flat. and uh we uh just had this wonderful partnership with memphis and we turned this huge bridge into the big river crossing that goes from memphis into west memphis and uh, the bridge is right next to a railroad bridge and there could be a train going right next to you as you're buying as you're cycling and a barge going underneath you and you can see the skyline of memphis and then you're going into west memphis and get some great tamales and it's wonderful, and then and where uh, do they find that? Where where's the? Oh, go to uh, Arkansas.com and okay. all the information is there. Okay. But um, also, we have a, a state park, the Delta Heritage, Heritage Trail State Park, and uh, that has some great cycling as well. And probably Kim can tell you more about that. Well, let's talk about. Uh, we can talk about cycling. You want to talk about cycling, Kim? Sure. Okay. The really neat thing about that is that with Big River Crossing and with Delta Heritage Trail State Park, if you're not a cyclist, that's okay. Yeah. You can walk it. They're both you run great it. to walk, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. run, mm-hmm. Um, especially the Big River Crossing. I'm going to tell you, I have lived very near the Mississippi River my entire life. And I remember when we opened it, it'll be, I believe, two years this October. Um, I walked across it even before the governor got there, and people were fussing because the public wasn't supposed to be there, and I just ignored everybody and walked. Oh, but you aren't just the public. No. Yeah, I'm just. Not, I, I wasn't somebody. invited, and I went there too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the views, and Meg will attest to this, the views are absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. And we have had nearly, I believe, and I haven't seen the numbers in the last couple of months, but over five hundred thousand people either walk, run, or bike across that bridge. 
Right. And it's part of the Rails to Trails program, which we're big into, as is the Delta Heritage Trail mm-hmm. State Park, where uh, old railroad tracks that aren't being used anymore are then turned into trails that can be used for cycling or walking or whatever you want. And it's a it's a wonderful national initiative, and it's a great public-private partnership because we have to work with the railroads to you know get the access to them. Uh, so it, it's a, you know, take advantage of it. it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you don't have a bike, you can go to a state park and rent one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and big news, and I've not even done a blog on this yet. <laughs> Memphis just, Memphis and West Memphis partnered and they're doing a bike share program. So you can pick up a bike in West Memphis, ride across Big River Crossing, go into Memphis, do downtown, and deliver it to any of the bike share locations. Oh, this is a trust kind of a thing. Yes. Yes. Well, well, you have to leave some money, I'm sure. And I don't know, maybe your firstborn child. Isn't it one of those those deals where you you have to give a machine your credit card information? Before it Probably. unlocks the bike, and then, yeah, I think yeah. that's probably oh, what it is. Oh, okay, that makes so they, sense. So they're going to hold your yeah. card information. Okay. Oh, hostage. okay. I they're, thought it was just you just yeah. go in there. No, it's, no, okay. it's the I appearance of trust, but really not. That's how the world goes around. Yeah. This is literally brand new. It's brand new. And, and it's a great thing because not all of us um, that have bikes have, you know, the bike things that you put on your vehicle. And carried them. And, you know, I have a small SUV. I can't throw it in the back. So people like me that live nearby, you can just go and rent this bike. I think it's like, I'm trying to say $10 an hour, but nobody quote me on that. And you don't have to worry about getting the bike in the car. For me, driving 50 minutes to West Memphis, you know, you can just rent one. And go and do whatever you want to do, and then make your way back, or call an yeah. Uber, or whatever you want That's to do. That's what we're all about just just making it easy. And you know, on on Parkside, we're all about just having a, an outdoor experience. You make a memory that lasts a lifetime, right? Without a whole lot of effort and cost, and, or a whole lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in every single Air, Arkansas state park, free to get into. You yeah. cannot say that about other states. So there are other states. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Exactly. Well, let's. Uh, we're gonna, coming up on a hard break here at the bottom of the hour, but um, I want to try to get into. Uh, you mentioned Crater Diamonds the other while ago, and and that is by far something no other state has got a public yeah. diamond mine where you yeah. can go mine your own diamonds. Yeah, and yeah. of course Governor you have Hutchinson to go by often. He's like, oh well, I've got a diamond mine, and yeah, you know, yeah, beat yeah. That. we have oil. Well, you know, Oklahoma <laughs> has oil, but we got a diamond mine. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah. But, um, I mean, you got to go by Glenn Campbell's house to get there. So, um, you know, we come back. I want to talk a little more about uh, Crater Diamonds. Sure. And uh, have either one of y'all gotten diamonds out of that? No. No, but I've spoken to many a person. But you know people, right? I do. Yeah, we know people. Hey, oh, if man. we work for the state, are we allowed to pull diamonds out of there? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you can find a diamond, more power to you. Here's well, we'll talk about it after the well, break. We'll talk yeah. about it after the that's break. That's called a tease. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a teaser. We're gonna come back. Um, yeah, fifteen seconds. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, there's cra- is, Crater of Diamond State Park, and that, yeah. that's a great one to go to. But we do have fifty-two state parks, one for every weekend. Hang on. This is Alan Kerr with uh, sitting in for Dale's, Dave Ellswick at one hundred one point one. The answer. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr sitting in for uh, Dave Ellswick, uh, who's out uh, for a few days at his granddaughter's uh, 
graduation. High school graduation. High school graduation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this is uh, FM 101.1, The Answer. We were talking about um, the parks and tourism uh, in the state of Arkansas. I've had Meg Matthews in with me. She is the uh, public information coordinator uh, for the parks and tourism. And Kim Williams uh, on the live line. Uh, she's a travel writer for the state of Arkansas and the travel uh, industry here. And uh, both of these ladies have a lot, just a lot of tremendous, fascinating information. They are passionate about travel in Arkansas. You I'm should see us you. when we get together. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't see you all at the bar <laughs> after work. Well, now, yeah, we're not going to go there. Um, we're, we're, we are not going to go there. No, but there's not a lot of quiet time. There's not. There's never an awkward silence. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> no, without a doubt. Okay, well, we were talking before the break. We were talking about the crate, Arkansas Crater of Diamonds and um, what a great attraction that is. And the only place in the country where you can go and dig your own diamond up and get to keep it and you get to keep it that's right that's right and you're not digging diamonds for them you're digging oh, diamonds no, for you no no and these diamonds were created uh, millions of years ago and um so they're still there and when when we talk about mining you're not going to go into a cave with a hat with a light on it okay so no. No, but wouldn't that be fun yeah well of course it would be really damp i'm not of good course. at them. Yeah. <laughs> well there are blanchard springs you can go into anyway yeah okay so um what it is it's a big field right that's plowed yeah and they turn it over every they so turn often. it over right mm-hmm. so you go out there and you kind of dig through the dirt. There are different ways of doing it, and they'll show you how. Uh, the staff down there is pa- – well, the staff at Everstate Park is so passionate. I just am amazed. Yeah. And um, one thing I didn't know before – Fun jobs. I, yeah, before I started working for parks is that park staff, they live at the park. Do so, they? Yeah. I didn't we, know that. Cases, absolutely. We provide housing for them. So college graduates, no they they, love this is jobs. a great job. Yeah, um, so they they really they love it. It's it's very personal to them. But since I've been here at, at Parks for two years, the people who have found the biggest diamonds have been the ones who've just simply looked around, saw something shiny, picked it up, and it was a diamond. It wasn't somebody who's Didn't have been to there. Dig and, and, no, no. To, you know. it, it had just rained a lot of times. It had yeah. just rained. Yeah, and just washed it off. And they pick it up, and they're like, well, maybe. And then they'll just put it in their pocket. Yeah. And then when they bring it in, the staff will take it, and then you know something's really good when they all go into the office. It's like, ooh, ooh. what's going on? <laughs> this isn't just a rock. No. And then they come out and you found a seven-carat diamond. It's like, what? That's like the Hope Diamond. Now. Yeah. No, it, it's just wonderful. And, you know, and kids can find them. They all, A lot of yeah. times it's the kids. You know, it really is. And two things. Well, they're closer to the ground. That's exactly. <laughs> two, thing, two tips I can give from the 11 and a half years that I've been with Parks and Tourism. One, rain. Absolutely. you got to go after it's recently rained. Yeah. And two, you must take a child with you because they are close <laughs> to the ground. They have better eyes, too. And, and they can, absolutely, and they can find things. And especially if you say, now, if you see something shiny, don't touch it. Yeah. Because that's just yeah. going to give invite them. Don't touch find that. Find something shiny and, and touch it. But, oh, I never thought yeah. of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good oh. way to get them to do something. Reverse psychology. <laughs> yes, mm. you have to use the children. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are some diamonds that could, like, 
pay for their tuition. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. And most of them, you ask, what are you going to do with it? And some of them turn it into a piece of jewelry. Yeah. Uh, Now, we don't assess how much the diamond costs because we don't have people who do that on staff. So you have to go out and do that yourself. But it's generally, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Hire a guy to cut it in the back of a Lincoln. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. I'm just showing my age now. That's an old commercial. I don't know what that means. Okay, yeah, Alan, you've got us. You're you're dating yourself because I've not heard that. That was an old Lincoln town car commercial where they'd have a diamond cutter cut a diamond in the back of the Lincoln, showing you that it was so smooth <gasps> oh, I that he could it. cut a diamond, a diamond perfectly. Okay, okay, so I've totally got to go Google this. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Oh, my God. That's right there with, do you have any Dijon mustard? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Grey Poupon. Grey Poupon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and then I also, I know this is not in the Delta. It's okay. Okay, I wanted to talk about Pinnacle. Because I literally in our backyard, literally in Little Rock's backyard, it's the most visited park. uh, And especially during the summertime, people bring, you know, they have relatives who come in. It's a great thing to do with visitors. Um, But I just wanted to say yesterday I climbed it and I consider myself in pretty good shape. But luckily I was with a ranger and I held on to him (laughs) half starting halfway up and the whole way down. And I was like. I am so sorry, Kale, but I'm just afraid words, that I'm going to slip. And he goes, look. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, they drug her up the right. mountain with a rope. Right. That's what it was. It's just, it's just there are a lot of – it's harder than you think it is. And I just want to say, just because a lot of people do it doesn't mean it's easy. It really is. There, the, the rocks can be slippery. And um, Kale was like, look. I'd rather go slowly and have you hold on to me than have you uh, break your ankle and then have to carry you down because that's what would happen. So uh, the whole way up and down, we were meeting people and talking to them. And, um, you know, we used it always as a a teaching time. So you have to make sure bring plenty of water. Yeah. That's very, very important. More than you think you need. Right. Especially this time of year. Especially this time of year. If you bring your dog, and and Arkansas State Parks are are very dog-friendly, you can bring them to any park as long as they're on a leash. Make sure you bring a lot of water for your dog. Bring water for your dog. Yeah. That is so important. They're going to need it a little more often than you are. Probably. And then also, let your dog rest in the shade. Um, Even if you feel like going on... Just take it in consideration. If you love your dog enough to bring your dog with you uh, to this adventure, you don't want to cause that precious little four-legged member of your family to have heat stroke. And that can happen. And so just just keep that in mind. And also, um, you know, walking up the east side of the hill... The mountain. That's the most popular thing. Well, I know. <laughs> walking is the most popular thing to do. Yeah. But there are all kinds of other trails. You can walk around the base of the mountain. I can't take a gondola up there. You can rent a kayak or a you canoe oh. and go in right there and then float around the little mamel. So there. I'll be darned. You can go Didn't on the, know that. the king. See, I'm we're chock full of information. You can go Ooh. on the, the Kingfisher Trail or you can go. Uh, um, it's away from the, the mountain, but the Arboretum Trail, yeah. which is a barrier-free path. It's six-tenths of a mile. It's flat and it's paved. Right. So if you have, perhaps your parents are coming and they're a little bit elderly, or maybe you're a mother with a baby in a stroller, right. it's a great way to still experience yeah, a I've state been through park. the Arboretum over there. It's, it's really lovely. nice. And it's very shady. Yes. Yeah. That's it. 
I just wanted well, to say. And the, and the cool thing to realize, and and this happens a lot with a lot of our, especially international visitors, because they're going to come over. They're, they're not bringing everything with them. But at most of our Arkansas State Parks, you can, like Meg said, you can rent a kayak. You can rent a bike. You can rent a canoe. You can, like, for example, at some of our larger ones, one of my favorites, Lake Chico State Park, uh, you know, you can rent a party barge. You can rent a fishing mm-hmm, boat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We make it yeah. as easy for you as possible. You can rent you can rent boats at most of the lakes in in, in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we offer boating safety classes, even if there's not one yeah. that's scheduled. Just you know, ask any of the staffers for right. any tips that they can give you. And I mean, and they also lead tours. So right. if you if you feel a little trepidation, like I don't know, if I want to go out on my own. They, there are sunset tours. Right. There are just so many fun things to and, do, and, and no downtrodden to the, um, the 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 boat salesman in the in the state, but no, you know, no, certainly, you know, keep as buying they, boats. As they say, the 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 happiest two days in a guy's life is when he buys a boat, and the other one's when he sells a boat <laughs> because they're. There are a lot of trouble, to be honest with you, and, yeah, and, and they don't sit true. there and do anything but rot during the year. So mm. uh, being able to rent a boat in Arkansas just about anywhere you go is really awesome. It's fun. It's carefree. Yeah. It's so family-friendly, especially the party barges. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I really recommend the Sunset Cruise, and yeah. uh, the staff will tell you the perfect place to go to, to watch a sunset. You don't even have to guess. Awesome. No, and that's the amazing thing about our state park folks is they know their park and they are willing to share their knowledge with you, even if they're not there. Like Meg said, you know, you Absolutely. rent a party barge. Okay, so where do I go? Well, you go right down there. They'll also tell you, you know, that's that's where we hear the fishing is okay. best or things like that. All right, right we're going to have to jump in here and make, make a little money for the station. And I am Alan Kerr with at 101.1 The Answer. And we'll be right back. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Uh, pinch hitting for Dave this afternoon while he's uh, at his granddaughter's graduation. I've got in studio um, Meg Matthews. with uh, She's the public information coordinator uh, for Arkansas State Parks and Tourism. And have on the live line Kim Williams, and she's the Arkansas travel writer. Uh, they, we've been talking about all the great things to do in Arkansas and all the state parks that you can go to. There's just a tremendous amount of stuff that you can go and blow a lot of time and and, and some a of the, lot of the, time but yeah. not a lot of money and not a lot of money we yeah. want to thank um arkansas voters it was a little over 20 years ago they passed amendment 75 to give a steady funding stream to arkansas state parks so while other states are just struggling to just maintain you know there's a lot of maintenance that goes along they have wastewater systems they have all kinds of infrastructure and so we're able to not only maintain our parks to the highest degree as well as keep them free to everybody who comes in, right. we're able to add to them and create new experiences at our state parks. And so uh, I just want to just thank you voters. And here's what it leads to. Tourism, and, and Kim can talk about this more, is our second largest industry in Arkansas. The first is agriculture. But it has more than a $7 billion impact on our economy. Wow. Yeah, and oh, I do have to say, while we were at break, I got a phone call from uh, Kane Webb, 
executive director of Arkansas Parks and Tourism, and he said that I had not yet embarrassed him. You know, they don't let me out. <laughs> well, that, very we need to take time to do that. Wait, he hasn't called. If he hasn't called me, I'm going to check my phone well, right now. I'm just saying he knows that I'm, you know, in the office doing this. But also, Alan, he told me to tell you that you were so right about the two days of a boat owner's life. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, day. I've been in the insurance business for decades and decades, and I can tell you that, that I have insured them and I have canceled the policies, and they were really tickled <laughs> to death to do both. We had a Christmas party, and we had to guess about the one thing that we didn't know about a person. And for Kane, it was that he didn't have a boat, or that he did have a boat. And I said, what is it called, the SS Minnow? And he liked that. <laughs> there was a Gilligan's Island reference, and yeah. nobody else got that. Yeah. Showing well, our age again. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we, Meg, talked about the, the impact that tourism has um, on our economy. I mean, it's it's amazing. In 2017, our estimates, and I'm sitting here looking at the state tourism impact numbers, 29 million people came to Arkansas. 29 million Just people. Just think of that. That's amazing. I mean, you, you think. <clears throat> in a, in and, a state that has 3 million thank residents. Thank you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But those 29 million people spent $7.87 billion. Wow. When I was at the top of Pinnacle we yesterday. get their wallets before they left home? <laughs> right. yeah. Goodness. When I was at the top of Pinnacle, pretending like I was more athletic than I am, um, there was a man there who was from West Palm Beach, which is, you know, it's an okay place to live. He was just going on and on about how great Arkansas is and how much he just loved it here. And we were like, yeah, and it's affordable, too. So our quality of life here is wonderful, which is actually Alan and I were talking about that earlier. We offer such a wonderful quality of life, and it's attracting businesses to our state. It is, and something that we need to realize as residents of Arkansas, is that we probably take this state for granted as much as anyone. Um, I was just in Denver a couple of weeks ago at an international trade show. And people, our international visitors especially, don't realize all that Arkansas has. They're blown away by the 52 state parks. They're blown away by the fact that they can go out and do things in nature. And listen, I mean, I've lived here my entire life, which is very, very many years, and there are still Arkansas State Parks that I've not gone, gone to. So, yeah. you know, we, we do need to take advantage of, of what we have. There's such a variety of experiences. I mean, if you start out in the Delta and then you end up high up in the Ozarks, you, have, yeah. you will have such a vast array of experiences right. and all at an affordable price. Right. And that is, and there's you. really nothing more, uh, just a lot of fun just to go through someplace like Eureka Springs and right, walk right. through all the little eclectic shops and, right. yes. and things there that you, that you do. And, it's, and you wouldn't it's, expect it. Right. You wouldn't expect it. There's a, that's a destination people go to get married. They get married at, at, at um, um, Pedigee Mountain. Out there on the bluff behind the behind the, the it lodge. It is the most I mean, beautiful. It is, it is incredible. And, you know, speaking of Petty Jean, we are partnering with Winrock uh, International, and it's a, an outdoor art exhibit that's going on. And so we have two big art installations uh, in Petty Jean. One of them is at an overlook, and it's like a big metal circle, and it it's a new way to view the sunset and it also makes for the perfect place to take a selfie 
I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. Um, just just touching base here, guys. We've got about three minutes. And um, uh, before I let time get too far away from me, I want to thank both of you for, for coming in. Y'all do a great job. You're passionate about, about what you do for the state, and I'm so proud of that. Well, thank and, you. Uh, thank you. That, you guys, that is um, truly a compliment. Kane certainly sent the A-team. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but, you know, we'll say so. We'll say uh, yeah, so. we'll, we'll go along with that. I'll tell you, and we, well, because we appreciate Kane so much. I mean, he is doing such a fantastic job, and we'll he has created a, an environment that is a wonderful place to work in. Well, I'll have to put a comment on your next employee um, evaluation form yes, next year. Always, yes, yes. <laughs> we appreciate that. That's the truth. Yeah, we just got through that whole process. I'm so glad it's done. Oh, man, that is a hard one. But anyway, well, we've uh, had a lot of fun talking about uh, all the great places in Arkansas to go. Um, the fact that, that Johnny Cash and Glenn Campbell and Conway mm-hmm. Twitty all That's called right. Arkansas Happy. their home. Happy and, Conway and Twitty Day. Conway Twitty, Twitty Day. Today. You know who and, else um, is buried in Arkansas and she said she'd never come back? Hel- <laughs> Beside my mother? Who was that? <laughs> the longtime editor of Cosmopolitan Magazine, Helen Gurley Brown. Helen Gurley Brown. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yep. Helen Gurley Brown. Where is she buried? Well, <laughs> in the state of Arkansas. In the state of Arkansas. In, right by her hometown. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> My but, goodness. You know, here's the thing that we that Meg and I have to throw in. So to find out more, all you have yes. to do is log on to www.arkansas.com or you can go to www.arkansasstateparks.com. That's right. And it, so much is there. I mean, it is. Yes. And we're about to launch a, a new uh, version of our website so look for that because it's exciting and we are working hard on it yes aren't we yes we are, that, yes, we are. that will be later this summer we're, we're gonna we're gonna do sort of a soft opening at some point but we're thrilled and we're not only thrilled for us but also for our tourism partners because we could not bring these 29 million people here we could not make this 7.8 billion dollars for our economy without our amazing tourism partners throughout so the state of arkansas so true yeah yes. okay guys well thank you both very much for uh for coming in i think we've got probably russ we have about 30 seconds one minute we got one minute to kill one minute's a long time one minute can be a very very long time but uh okay let me also talk about mountain biking that's another where we get a a lot of international visitors we have five they're called epic trails the only other state that has five epic more than five epic mountain biking trails california what, number what, two. what constitutes an epic trail in it's co- in awesome. It's, it's awesome. That's, it's epic. <laughs> it's, it's epic. epic. That's what it is. Yeah. So if you're into mountain biking, this is the place to be. Uh, it's really a lot of it is in Northwest Arkansas. It's just the perfect place for mountain biking. So, all right, check ladies, that out. Thank you so much. We got about ten seconds left. Uh, just wanted well, to thank really you for thank having you for, us on. for coming Thanks. in. This is Thanks. Alan Kerr. Uh, in for Dave Ellswick at 101.1, The Answer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Alan Kerr. I'm pitch hitting for uh, Dave Ellswick this afternoon on 101.1, The Answer. Dave is out uh, at his granddaughter's um, graduation and everything that a, a grandfather should do. He's he's out uh, enjoying that time with his, with his grandchildren. So we're here this afternoon, and we're going to talk sports. We're going to talk sports with uh, Razorback Zach inside the hog pen. 
uh, author, and, and the uh, he's got the SEC Uncensored show. <clears throat> also have uh, uh, Alex and uh, Carter Galbraith. They're uh, they're the gridiron experts on YouTube, and they're they're here to debate and uh, manipulate sports of all kinds. And uh, you know, right out of the gate, before we jump in with you guys, I've got Bob from Sharp County on the the live line. We're going to find out what Bob like to talk about. What about Bob? Yes, I'd, I'd like to ask uh, Alex or Carter, either one can answer. I, I Really, I got two questions, if it's okay. First question is, do you not think that uh, the Cowboys will be in the Super Bowl this coming year? All right, well, we can go ahead and answer that first one. Let me steal that one from you. <laughs> no, let's, let's let them do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, you're the bigger Cowboy fan than we are. No, I, Cowboys... Uh, Definitely have another solid shot. You know, they go back two years ago. They looked poised for the run. Uh, that was, I think, the first year with Prescott and, and Elliott and all yeah. them. Uh, and then, obviously, very disappointing in the playoffs. And last year, just missed out uh, late, late in the season, battling some injuries and uh, all that stuff. This year, I think they are poised for another good playoff run. Prescott's going into his third year. Very healthy. He's getting a good feel for the system. When you have Ezekiel Elliott in the best offensive line in all of the NFL – the production is not going to stop there. Everybody's freaking out that they lost Des Bryant and that the Cowboys don't have a number one receiver. They also lost Jason Witten. And Jason Witten, that's a good point. Yeah, so you lose your top tight end, your top wide receiver, and everybody's freaking out about that. But Prescott and the Cowboys even came out and said they don't need a you know, a go-to wide receiver. They can spread it around. And they do have some solid playmakers that uh, maybe not be as big of a name as Des Bryant and Jason Witten, but that can pick up that production. I'm just more concerned about the defense uh, more than anything. But... I wouldn't say they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's not who I would have as my front runner, but I definitely think they can make a run uh, into the playoffs. What do you think, Carter? Got- or Alex? Who's Alex? You're Alex. Yeah. You're Carter. <laughs> yes. I get these guys mixed up. <clears throat> All right, Bob, what's your second question? Well, the second question was is uh, just a point of uh, reference. Do you guys feel like that uh, professional football will ever get past these uh, nailing issues? On, on the field during the uh, national anthem. Ooh. That is a very good question. I, it, at the moment, it's kind of hard to tell. What do you guys think? I think, uh, well, you know, the NFL, just uh, they passed that rule recently saying that all teams, if they're going to be out there on the field, uh, have to stand for the national anthem, no kneeling or, or protesting. Now, they gave them the option to uh, stay in the locker room if they want to. Uh, so they don't have to be out on the field. But if they're going to be out there, they have to stand. So I think that was a push. And they said it was unanimous, and they came back out and said it wasn't unanimous. But nonetheless, the rule still passed. And so I think that's their their way of saying, you know, trying to shut all that down because they got a lot of negative publicity uh, for that kind of stuff. So I think they're – I mean, I think they're going to get over. I know people freaked out. The NFL lost uh, some viewers and uh, – you know, I know I quit watching. Yeah, watch I, I, guys, I think it's going to be funny when <clears throat> they play the national anthem and none of the players are out there on the sideline. I, I was then just that's, fixing to that's say fine. that's, that's I'll also stand a possibility. Up the, I'll stand in the stands and for the national anthem, and they can stay in the locker room. You know, I mean, and I, I, like I said, I'm not going to make this into, into a political thing or anything, but I mean, you know, everybody's got their right to free speech, but. You're 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 there. You're being play, paid to play. Yeah, I mean, there are people that don't make that much in a lifetime, and they're getting paid to play a sport. Yeah, right. it's entertainment. I mean, yeah, you're, you're yeah. basically paid, what it is. You're getting paid. Stand up there for a couple minutes. It's not that. It's not that hard to just stand out I there mean, and not 
I mean, it's even the guy on the bench that's like the fourth fourth string wide receiver for the Cowboys making eight hundred fifty thousand a game is you know poor baby. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) You know, I mean, he's out there for the fans, not you know. Regardless, he doesn't play, but he's still making you know almost a million dollars. Well, guys, I want to bring up one point. There are two sports out there right now where they stand for the national anthem. They don't have to salute. They don't have to put their hand over their heart, but they at least stand out there. In baseball, the entire team goes and stands on the line, or if they're in the in the uh, the dugout in, in the bullpen, yeah. they're standing out in the bullpen. <clears throat> they don't have to necessarily put their hand over their heart because obviously most of these players aren't even from the U.S., but they are standing. <laughs> now, sure, number two, point. hockey. That's a sad thing. There are two hockey. anthems that are yes. played during hockey. <clears throat> You've got the national anthem for the United States of America, and then you've got the Canadian national anthem that is played. Yeah, and both teams stand up for both. Both teams stand for that. Yes. Yeah, because I would never disrespect another another country's national anthem. I'm not if when they play, you know, Canada's national anthem. I'm not going to sit down for that or, you know, disrespect that. I mean, you you just do it. It's a sign yeah. of respect. So. Oh, Canada. There you go. Land uh, of the Maple Leafs. There you go. Yep. All right, does that answer your questions, Bob? It does. Good. All right. Appreciate Thank you, sir. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, everyone out there, if they uh, got questions for either Razorback Zach or the gridiron experts, uh, the call-in number is 501-823-0965. We'd love to hear your comments and love to hear your questions. All right, guys, where are we are? Where are we on sports? Before we get started, I, I, I wanted this to uh, – I went up to the hill a few weeks ago, and uh, I want to thank my buddy Nick Kaiser – for uh for setting me up on that and uh that was the first time i've been up there and wow it was just where's the hill fayetteville arkansas university okay. of, the campus of the university of arkansas um i got to got to tour uh reynolds razorback stadium got to see the construction there uh we made the mistake of actually going on graduation day so we couldn't get close to uh bud walton but uh just being up there seeing bogle park uh where the ladybacks play or, i'm sorry the Lady Razorbacks play softball, um, and and being inside a bomb stadium where, if I may, the original hog pen is. Uh, uh, that was that was kind of cool. We got to see uh, Texas A and M, and he's right. Every single player on on both teams, you know, stood out there either to hand over their heart, and even the guys in the bullpen stood outside of the bullpen. Yeah, and uh, that was kind of cool. But uh, guys, game three NBA Finals tomorrow night. <clears throat> Yeah. Golden yeah. State and Cleveland, yes. what, part four? Part four, four straight years, and it's getting old yeah. big time. It, it is. Yeah. Um, I've quit watching. Yeah. I, I watch the highlights in the mornings at the gym, so, yeah. I mean. Yeah, there's, just, there's not a whole lot of excitement uh, surrounding the finals anymore. I mean, you, of course, you have LeBron James in there, which for most people is always a big deal. Then you have the super team with the Warriors, you know, Steph Curry, Durant, Clay Thompson. Andre Iguodala, all those guys. But game three is tomorrow night in Cleveland. Um, Warriors are up two to nothing. I, is that is that surprising though? No, not a chance. Not even close. I mean, you can go back and say it should be one to one if you went if you watched game one or stayed up for all of game one uh, last week. But you know, Wait, it's do, not we, do we blame game one on J.R. Smith or are we just going to let that one slide? I, I blame it on not no every sport. I mean, even when I play, my coaches have always told me you got to know. You got to be aware of everything. You got to be aware of the score. You got to be aware of the clock. And I mean, even in that situation, you get the rebound. You got when he goes up for the free throws. There's a reason he got fouled. You got to yeah. be able to 
you got to be able to realize that there's still time on the clock and that you're still tied. You're not up or down. I had I had a coach when we played when I played peewee basketball named Coach Greg Ledbetter, and he was all about fundamentals. And uh, he, I mean, I learned so much from him. Still can't shoot a basketball to this day, but I learned a lot of fundamentals from him. Um, but he, I mean, you can't you can't take the game into your own hands. Not a team sport like that. You know, and and he's saying, you know, all these excuses and everything. You messed up, dude. Just own up to it. That's that's my thing. Um, game three in Cleveland. Who you got? I have a pretty good feeling that the Warriors are going to sweep the Cavs, and if they don't sweep the Cavs, they're going to win it in five games. Yeah, Cleveland got it. might steal one on, uh, at home just because it is at home. And and you know, if, you, if they played like they played in Game One, I mean, they they you could have made this a series, but. I, mean, I think we all knew from the start the Warriors were going to win it, which is once again why the, why the finals are not uh, that exciting for anybody now because you know exactly what's going to happen. I knew coming into this, it, you know, no one wanted the Warriors and Cavs again unless you root for the Warriors or the Cavs. But then you you get to this point, you just know, oh, Warriors are going to win, and it's going to end quick. It's going to end in four or five games, right? You know, unless it's just a major upset, but which wasn't going to happen. You know, I hate to bring it up, but you know, it's going. I mean, this is the big thing going on right now: LeBron versus Michael. Everybody's everybody's comparing the two. Now, excuse me. I said I saw a thing on Facebook probably two days ago that ended every argument of that. And it was, was a that? picture it was a picture of three guys <clears throat> Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. And they bought and it all said greatest players of the last three decades. Michael in the nineties, Kobe in the two thousands. And LeBron in the 2010s. My question to you: Everybody's comparing LeBron and Michael. Where's Kobe? Why isn't Kobe being mentioned in this? Kobe won five rings, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> no, that's correct. Yeah, he won five, uh, and, and that's great. You, know, you, you break it down like that. You got Michael in the 90s, Kobe, Kobe's early 2000s, LeBron, you know, late 2000s on. Thing is, you know, the, the debates will never stop because people want to have that number hey, one. I, I got a question for you: Where'd Kobe go to college? Uh, he did not. Where did LeBron where, go where to college? Where did LeBron go to college? He did not. He did not. That's the problem that I have with both of those guys. I respect them as players. They can play the heck out of basketball. But Michael, where did he go to college? North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. And he graduated from there, too, I believe. Played against Arkansas in eight, 86 at Bud Walton, if I'm not Yeah. Or not Bud Walton. It was Down at uh, Barnhill. But, uh, it, was in Pine, it was in Pine Bluff. And Michael has done quite well for himself after after oh, yeah. playing bas- basketball but, because I mean, of that. You can even go further back than that in, in the 80s and, and early 90s before Michael and say, okay, then you're going to have guys like Larry Bird, Mike, uh, Magic Johnson, you know, um, Wilt Chamberlain back in the the seventies. They all go to college. Yeah, Bird yeah. and Bird Magic. And Magic. And Larry, yeah, that that is a rivalry to rival everyone. Ever I mean <laughs> everything. Yeah, that was what Michigan and Indiana yeah, State, Indiana, Michigan State, and Indiana. Michigan you gotta, State. You got to admit State. it was fun to watch. It was. That was when basketball. I mean, I challenged a guy at work the other day to give me one team outside of the Cavs and and the and the uh, the Warriors. Name me the five starters on one. Team. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it when, but you have guys back in the '90s and the early 2000s where you could you could name the Lakers, you could name the Bulls, you know, you could name the Pacers, you know, the 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 Knicks, you know. Each decade is going to have that one player that just stands out above everybody else. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here to to uh, hold on to that thought to make a little money for the station. 
This is Alan Curry for Dave Ellswick at 101.1 The Answer. We'll be right back. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr, the uh, pitch hitting for Dave Ellswick at 101.1 The Answer. Uh, Dave is out uh, with his family doing his granddaughter's uh, graduation. We're in studio with uh, Razorback Zach inside the hog pen and uh, the gridiron experts on YouTube, Alex and Carter Galberth. We, uh, when we took off the break, uh, where did we leave it, guys? Uh, we were going to start talking about Razorback football now. Yeah, we're going to transition into uh, a little bit of football talk here. The way to preseason predictions for all 14 uh, teams. Okay, so before we jump into there, I want to mention our, our call line, our phone line, if you want to call in and ask these guys questions, 501-823-0965 is the, the, uh, the hotline. Call in and, and give us your opinion and ask a question for uh, the gridiron experts and Razorback Zach. Go ahead, guys. Okay, so we all know what happened last year. We had high expectations going into the 2017 season and came out, what, what was it, 4-8 four four and eight eight. was the final? Yeah, 4-8. And, eight. I, I mean, what, I mean, looking back on it now, and I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse because I know everybody's just like, can we just please move on? Can we just please move on? There's a lot to learn from last season going into this one, especially with the new, you know, new positions, all the seniors leaving. You know, what do you guys think? Because I've got it here. We can break it down game by game, or we can go just overall. I don't think we can just do both. We can just kind of discuss it, and then we could do game by game. 14-0 national champs. No, I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. That is unrealistic. But, uh, you know, a couple times that we've been on here, we've mentioned the instant gratification of the Razorback fan base that that need to win, win it all right now. That's what I was about to say, so. Just thinking about it, Morris coming in, we have we all have high expectations. We we want that instant gratification, and we need him to do good. And for him not to have the the fans turn on him immediately, he has to go six and six or better. If he doesn't improve at all from what Bielema left off with, then we're then he's gonna be in a hole there, and we're just gonna be turning against him. And he we need to have he needs to set the expectations high instead of low so we can have hope for future years i don't know though i mean we want the instant gratification but i think if you you've got to be a little rational and i mean i'm guilty of it myself of getting angry uh when we when we don't win the games that we should or when we we keep losing the close games or blowing the leads and you know you look you look back a couple months after the season's over and say you know we went four and eight but really we should have won seven or eight games because you you just blew leads or it was too close morris though uh, he's got a good system in place. He just doesn't have all the players in place for his system yet. He has a couple solid ones in place. He wants speed. He wants uh, more of an air uh, air raid offense, and I, and I like that. But you go look at some of our previous coaches. We had Bielema that went three and nine in his first year. We had Petrino uh, that went five and seven in his first year. Uh, and I mean, I don't think we necessarily turn on them that quick because each of those coaches showed major progressions in his second year. Yeah, you know, we went eight and five. Petrino. Who was before year. Petrino? Yeah, Houston not, Nutt, right? Exactly. Right. What did he go in his first year he in '98? Really, really good. Almost made the national championship. Exactly. Right. Sure. Sure. I mean, maybe we, maybe we, you know, saw that and expected that all the time out of our. But you're, you're also, but. I mean, you're coming out of the uh, Danny Ford era. Right. You know, brand. I mean, brand new system that has not been seen in the SEC at that time. You know, we were still kind of a, a young buck, greenhorn in the SEC in the conference. Um, you know, nobody took us seriously, and then all of a sudden, you know, we go. You know the first you know few years, and it's like okay, somebody start taking Arkansas seriously, and then you come in again after what almost ten years of, of Houston Nut, and you're going through this roller coaster of coaches, 
nobody knows what to expect from us I'm, except for that you know the plateau of a five and seven six and six right you know Bobby Petrino had that one year where he was 11 was 11 and two 11 and three 11 and 11 two, and two. Yeah. I still make I still tell my boss all the time that because she's an Ohio State fan sure and uh, I will say it right now the Ohio State yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go you know I still tell her to this day that that, that they cheated uh, that sure that uh, that sugar bowl yeah I mean there was a bunch of uh couple of players that shouldn't have I believe the player that made that game winning interception should not have been playing in that oh, game. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But it's because mean, of what happened. But. You know, going in going into year one, um, we the three of us were at the spring game and uh we said it last time. It was cold. But who's our starting quarterback? Ty Story. Say I can make the argument for Connor Nolan. Or I even saw an argument for uh John was it John Stephen Jones? John Stephen yeah. Jones. Hey, have you seen his forty time? That guy's lightning quick. Oh, I know he's a, he can run. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna uh, lie, he can run. Again, Cole Kelly was 270 last year. Dropped down. I think he's right around. I think he's dropped 10 pounds uh, uh, up to this point. That's what he needs. Yeah, he needs you know, we're that. less than 100. I think we're less than 100 days from college football. We are. I think yeah, much less than 100 days. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, the starting quarterback. I don't think we'll start Nolan. I don't. I don't think they're gonna do that yet. If, if Morris is smart, that that it could easily be our quarterback of the future. I would redshirt him. Don't let him play. You've got two capable quarterbacks in Cole Kelly and Ty Story. And, uh, I mean, judging from what I saw in the spring game, Ty Story looked better. Yeah, Cole Kelly, and that's what we, we've all been saying. Cole Kelly has more game experience based on last year. And so Cole Kelly has more experience versus SEC opponents. So Okay, well, I got a question. Who You, you guys are talking about these players. What have we, have we gotten any good, solid, Oh my God! I'm glad we got the that guy recruitment. Yes, for since, um, since the new coach has been in. Who is that? Who's the D court? The the D the uh, D lineman that we were trying to get. Yeah, uh, Dorian Gerald. Dorian yeah. Gerald. Yeah. yeah. That's that's going to be our new our new hope. Well, is that I mean, a, is got, that a good recruit? On the defensive line, yes, that's going to be on the, huge. On, on, on the defensive on, yes. line. On the defensive line, okay. yes. What have we got in the offense? Do we have a good offense, uh, good recruits? Um, is Zach Rogers taking over? Is he still, or did he did he transfer out? I don't remember. He's the backup for uh, um, our our center from last year that went. Ragnar. I think he actually did center uh, transfer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did, which was unfortunate because he could have been. We've always be had uh, we've always had pretty good people at center, uh, even back in Houston Nuts era. Even oh yeah. I uh, it's kind of funny. One of the seniors, Jonathan Luigs, grew up with him, and uh, he is a he, pretty good stand-up guy. Even he was a good one, you yeah. know. Back in, and you've got Frank Ragnow that uh, that took over. Then you had uh, Travis Swanson yeah, Travis that, that Swanson. plays for uh, Detroit right now. Yep, we had Mitch Petrus uh, a couple years before that, so we had some solid <clears throat> offensive line, especially at the center position. Uh, <clears throat> this year, this year though, we were talking about defense, which is super unfortunate. You know, you take some of the players we had last year, keep them over this year. This is. Probably one of Arkansas's best defenses they've had in a long time in terms of returning talent. We have a lot of returning stars on that side of the ball. So if we, you know, but unfortunately we can never put the whole piece together because the defense is going to be solid, should be solid, and yet the offense. Is okay, going to guys, struggle. we got um, got about thirty seconds. Yeah, well, got about I'm, thirty I'm, seconds here, and and uh, um, we want to make sure we get the phone number out there five zero one eight two three zero nine six five. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, some more Razorback football and uh, take some calls, hopefully. Okay? All right. Uh, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick at 101.1 The Answer. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, just, if you're just tuning in, I'm Alan Kerr. Uh, pinch hitting for Dave Ellswick this afternoon. He's out for the day. 
Uh, this is 101.1 The Answer. I'm here in the studio with Razorback Zach, who's uh, got uh, the Inside the Hog Pen and the SEC Uncensored show, and the Gridiron experts on YouTube, Alex and Carter Galbraith. These guys are talking sports and heating it up. We've got a caller in. We're going to go ahead and take a call from Quentin uh, here in Little Rock. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, not to not to backtrack on what y'all was talking about with the uh, NBA. Yes, sir. Uh, with the war, but with the Warriors, do y'all feel like because uh, they're a dynasty at this point? But do y'all feel like there's a team out there that could eventually take them down, or do you feel like um, they could someone could they could um, be lost to free agency, or they could just implode within? Hmm. Because, because like at this at this point, it's like you have like what three, four good shooters, and then you have players off of the bench. It's like even if you wear down the starters, they have people that can come in and back up and still are uh, capable of you know uh, finishing out a game. So it's like it's like do you really like it, do you really see this ending? Because it's like it's. Uh, it's like there's there's no there's no good matchup of you know taking them down because you see right. LeBron can't do it by himself and he's putting up forty fifty a night and like he might get like uh, Cleveland might get one but like like LeBron he probably might have maybe two or three years and that's it like that's my opinion because he's getting to be almost what forty he's like thirty six right now. Well, I mean, in in context of the Warriors, I mean, you've got a guy that that played right next to Michael Jordan in the '90s with Steve Kerr. Uh, right. he, I mean, he's built what he built after uh, when he brought Steph Curry in, and then you've got you've got Clay Thompson, uh, Andre Iguodala. You know, I mean, as long as those guys stay together, and you don't lose anybody to to, uh, to free agency, you don't lose body to trades or anything like that. I these guys could stick together, and they could be you know like the Bulls 2.0. You know they could have been. They can be what uh, what the Lakers could have been had Shaq stayed around mm-hmm. in the early in the early two thousands with Kobe. I mean, yeah, because cause I don't I don't see um, I really don't see like egos really breaking them up because like you said with the Lakers, um, you know once they start getting success, um, you know everybody's uh, attitude changed and they messed it up. Not everybody's, but mainly between Shaq and Kobe, their attitudes changed. <laughs> And it just messed up the whole team chemistry of the Lakers, and eventually, you know, how to base them up, and we all know how that story went. So, um, yeah, I was just curious on y'all's thoughts on, you know, I guess how long do y'all think that this dynasty is going to last? We appreciate that question, there, Quentin. I don't think it's going to last that much longer because they will, they are going to lose people in free agency. You know, they're lucky that it didn't break up more when they blew that 3-1 lead a couple years ago to the Cavs. You know, usually you see, uh, you know, a couple teams that aren't able to rebound um, like, you know, the Warriors did when they lost that 3-1 lead, come back and win the championship the next year. They added Kevin Durant following that series loss, uh, which some people claim was a cheap move by Durant just to go to a team that just the year before had the best record in NBA history. I think it was 73-9. and Yeah. Um, so the Stump saw, saw it as a cheap move because he knew he was going to win a championship there. I think Durant leaves soon which we know the Warriors have done well without Durant but I think you've got you have enough people on that team Steph Curry Clay Thompson Draymond Green Andre Iguodala 
Kevin Durant. So there's you know five players right there. That I don't think they're going to be able to keep paying those guys um, to hang on there. They'll, they'll keep Curry. They'll probably keep Clay. Everybody else, I could see them losing in the next few years to free agency. Um, so they're lucky they're keeping them now. Enjoy it while it lasts. And it, I mean, it's been a, it's been a heck of a run. And Steve Kerr as a as a coach has been doing a phenomenal job. I give him a lot of credit uh, for putting together the staff he he's put together. Uh, had Luke Walton now over there coaching the Lakers. Um, but I don't think this last is going to last much longer. I think I just think all good things are going to come to an end. So it's going to be very very interesting to see. But and otherwise, I think they do clinch their what was it their third title in four years mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, they'll they'll get that done, and then I'm curious to see what happens after that. Yep. I think they actually hit five, and then they'll go, they'll probably go their separate ways. The, the problem with NBA teams nowadays is like back. I mean, a couple years back, I mean, there were most of the time teams would have their two or three good players, but now it's only Very good it's, point. It's the Cavs and Very Warriors. Very good I mean, point. Honestly, even the Rockets a little bit. They everybody has the, all the stars from the old NBA just a couple years back. And they're all building up these super teams, leaving the rest of the NBA back to just sit and watch. Well, I mean, you got to think too. And uh, San Antonio, when they had Manu Ginobili, they had Tony Parker, uh, um, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan. You know, um, they had they had a little bit of a run there for a little while. Um, you know, even in, even in the nineties, going back with with the nineties and the Bulls. I mean, when one of them left and or got injured, you know, one of them, they, another guy stepped up off the bench. And they never missed. They never missed a beat. So I mean, but isn't that what they they strive to do to have have a backup plan and have a succession plan? Well, yeah, but I mean, you think about it though. Nowadays, teams nowadays they're going for either a solid superstar to yeah. draw in the crowds or a super team where it's every big name. You know, right now the big talk is is does LeBron stay in Cleveland again or does he go out west? Why would he leave again after all the trouble he, Cleveland gave him for leaving? Exactly. I mean, that's exactly. No, I know why he's going to leave. He's going to. And, and the thing is, don't it, be surprised if he ends up down there with James Harden and the Rockets. I think LeBron to to help his legacy or to try to attempt to help his. He, look, he's he's won by far. Like we were talking earlier, top three all time, potentially top two, or some say the greatest ever. But he's three and was it three and four uh, or three and five in finals right three now? Three and five. Three and five, about to be three and six. You know he's running out of time to to try to get that record even back up to five hundred. So yeah. I think he leaves Cleveland because he's not getting any help from Cleveland. He's got Kevin Love, but Kyrie's gone. Uh, they've lost you know all of his, and that's what everybody's saying now. LeBron's losing this finals because he has no help. You know, and and I I can kind of agree with that and kind of disagree with that at the same time. But he's going to want to go somewhere where he has a supporting cast, and that's why he left the first time to go to Miami, where he had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and those kind of guys, and he was able to win two championships there, including his first one. So, but you're going to see, see that a lot more is the superstars bouncing from team to team. Absolutely, which which there's no loyalty, you know. No. I mean, most times, you know, I mean, even if I was a basketball player, wherever <laughs> I get drafted, that's where I want to stay because I want to be the guy to get. And LeBron did that; he went back to Cleveland to get them their first championship. He wanted to be the guy to do that. His hometown or his home state to do that for a city that had never won a championship. So I, he did it. Right. That's great. Uh, but now he's wanting to bounce around and get more in there. So there's no, really no loyalty there, which is kind so of frustrating. You, does he not feel like he can win another championship in Cleveland? Well, he's got a bunch of young guys around him right now. Yeah. A bunch of, then I, bring I, them along. I then train them. Then, I wouldn't really say unknowns. But at one time, Jordan had that. And Jordan was tough in practice. You know, he was one. He was a superstar. Everybody knows it. But he brought that whole team up. Guys like Pippen, Rodman, uh, Ku Coach, Kerr, you know, 
That's a, what I mean. A, a lot you, of these you, unknowns. You take that team and you bring it along. If you're the superstar of the team, be behave like one. The reason it's like that is because most of these guys are one and dones in college. They go from one year for college and then they go straight to the NBA and they're not ready to play in that or, level. Well, assuming you actually go to college. college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Assuming you actually step foot into college. But I, mean, I do. I agree with that a lot. That's a very good point. The, and I, I've read an article where the, some of the NBA coaches and, and more veteran players in the NBA have even said that these guys come in one year done with college, go to Kentucky, North Carolina, do somewhere like that, come in after one year, get drafted in the top ten. And they think they're ready to play at that level, but they aren't. I'm going to make one point, and then we're going to get back to Razorback football. There was a an article about a month ago that the NBA coaches and the veterans are trying to change that one and done rule. I think that's great. They and need then, to. but if, I mean, if you look at the draft nowadays, these you know fifth year seniors, these you know four year seniors that actually are mature enough to play in the NBA, go to the G League. They go to the D League. You're yeah. right. You're right. I get it because these guys are you know. Really, really good coming out of high school. They get they required to go to college. Most of them are at least go required to go to college. You win a national championship at one of those top top schools, and you get picked in the. And yeah, I get it. But you know, I saw something the other day though that said, you know, if we had uh, like Carl Anthony Towns and Julius Randle, some of those guys that stuck around, like last year would have been like their senior year at Kentucky. Who was that one that came out of North Rock that went over to Kentucky? Um, Alton was it Alton Tenpenny? He, he was, he was to, a football player for Alabama. It was Alabama. My bad. That was a football player, um, though. There was another one that went from North Carolina. Malik Monk? Malik Monk. Yeah. That's the one. I gotta we got about 20 seconds before we have to go to break, guys, and then we'll go raise back football. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. Uh, we're here with the uh, the Gridiron Experts on on YouTube, Alex and uh, Carter Galberth. And here with Razorback Zach, uh, author of the Inside the Hog Pen, the SEC Uncensored Show. I'm Alan Curman for Dave Ellswick this afternoon. Come back after the break. We'll talk some more sports. 101.1, the answer. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Alan Kerr, pinch hitting for Dave Ellswick this afternoon. We're in studio with uh, talking sports this afternoon with Razorback Zach and the Gridiron Experts uh, on, on YouTube, Alex and Carter Galbraith. Um, where we left off, we were, we're about to talk about uh, Razorback football again. And uh, we want your, want your questions, want your comments, want your thoughts. Uh, call us in at uh, 501-823-0965, 501-823-0965. All right, guys, where are we? So we were left off <laughs> talking about the defense. Uh, and uh, I have to give a special shout-out and, and a very special thank you to my uh, A&M admin, my fellow admin over at SCC Uncensored, hashtag 12th woman. And uh, thanks for the defensive coordinator. Uh, John Chavis, you know, everybody, he is the chief, and he is a very good defensive coordinator. I just, when he was down at A&M, I just don't think he had the right parts for the kind of defense he was trying to run. Uh, you come up here to Arkansas, I like the speed. I, I, you know, you got Ryan Pulley at at, uh, at free safety. You've got, uh, who's that linebacker right there? Um, we got Dejon Harris. We got Dejon Harris. Drake you got Kevin Greenlaw. Richardson coming back. Kevin Santos Richardson. Ramirez. Santos, that's my man right there. Dre Greenlaw's back. McTelvin Aguim, uh down on the defensive line. I think he's got the parts. I really do, and I'm I'm kind of excited to see parts. Him. What what's parts? What do you mean parts? Positions. Oh, okay. He's got the he's got the <laughs> talent to do to do something good. We here. forget and, you don't watch football much. No, no. <laughs> the problem is Belama kind of kind of hurt us a little bit by uh well him and our, our previous defensive coordinator switching to that three four last year and now Chavis wanting to come in and switch it back to a four three. So the guys that are returning, you know, had to learn that three four, which was pointless. I mean the defense was horrendous last year anyways, went four and eight, so it didn't do anything. Now we've got to switch back to the four three. So hopefully 
the guys that were around last time we were running that will be able to transition much quicker uh, than some of the newer guys. But you're right. We have a very solid, solid defense. I think we have a lot of returning starters on that side of the ball. And like I was saying earlier, though, it's just the way Arkansas goes. This is the year we have a, should have a solid defense, should be able to make you know big changes from last year's defense. Then on offense, we have a lot of uh, unanswered questions. And I, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. We can never put together the full team. You got one side of the ball that's really good, and the other side of the ball that's just really not. Yeah, but that's been that's been that way since since Houston. That's been here. It's always been a dominant in one side or the other. I agree, but like you know, most I mean, you can have like an average defense. Like I feel like our offense is going to be somewhat horrendous this year. I'm, I'm scared. I mean, Chad Moore is bringing that in his style. I'm very It'll take excited a year. about. It'll I'm take you. But you know, it's like if you got this really good defense full of mostly seniors. You know, you don't want to waste that talent by going, you know, my having a losing record. You want to at least get to six and six with the talent you've got. That would be a great first year for Morris if he can get to that six and six mark. I think he'll get. I mean, we've, you know, we're sitting here looking at the schedule and breaking it down in, in the break. You know, our first game is against Eastern Illinois. Last year was AM, Florida AM on a Thursday night in Little Rock during rush hour traffic. Right. You know, everybody's judging it based on that crowd but you i mean you had to know expectations were low even after that game you know Brand, uh, Austin Allen didn't look all that great no Cole no. Kelly although i will say this Cole Kelly trucked over a couple of guys and that was beautiful but the receivers weren't getting the separation that they needed to get the running backs weren't having that breakaway speed no and if you did and if you thought that was just you know uh, first game problems you know it was first time we were playing an opponent you really saw that uh, big time when we played TCU the following week. That was uh, a horrible offensive performance. We had like a 50-yard touchdown to tie the game early, and our defense really stepped up. And that's kind of what I, kind of another thing I was saying. You know, we had our defense played really, really well in that TCU game. The score doesn't say it. We lost 28 to seven, but two of those touchdowns came off. Think of a fumble recovery for yep. a touchdown. And I think that was the the touchdown. coming out turning the turnaround point of everybody going, okay, maybe we're onto something here. But that very next game, we I mean, it's inconsistent. Oh, it was very interesting. Well, I'm saying, well, you know, you lost to TCU. We had our kicker miss two field goals that could have the made the kick hurt around the conference. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, the pro- the problem with that game was, like Alex was saying, our defense played amazing in that game. We got so many stops, we got turnovers that we could have that we scored touchdowns off of, or we just got the ball back, and our offense couldn't convert off of it. We'd we'd stop them, we'd get the ball back, and we couldn't get a first down. I usually don't hate on people, and I'm, and I, I hope nobody takes this this way. It almost looked like the offensive line did not respect Austin Allen in the pocket at all. It was like we're not we're not going to guard for him. Yeah, this- problem we had a decent offensive line last year. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great compared to what Belama had in the past, but it was decent. So it was just a bunch of a, a bunch of wasted once again wasted talent. And but you're right, it, it was horrible. I mean, I don't know how you can have an offensive line that bad, especially when you want when you're t- still one of the biggest in the SEC. Got a question off of our uh, Inside the Hogfin uh, Facebook page. Do you think Arkansas is going to beat Alabama this year? No. Well, no. Stupid question. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a no. That question. would be that would be nit. Yeah. No. And, you know, and, and but I, I respect them for reaching out and asking the question. You know, every game is a toss up except for Alabama. I'm on the schedule this year. Um, I would I would go as far as say that's correct until you get to I would say it's going to be very difficult that at Mississippi State and at Auburn will be at Auburn may may could easily be a loss there yeah okay, okay guys uh, let's so what we're talking about are we going to beat um, are we going to beat LSU this year 
the problem with that is LSU. Notice how we all started tripping over our words yeah. there for a minute. <laughs> LSU, we don't play them until – so we'll, we'll have a really good idea if we're going to be LSU or not because that's three weeks before the season ends. Um, well, because so, I've, I've got a preacher that, that is an LSU yes. origination. LSU fan, and he really rubs it in, and I'd really love to beat LSU this year. I think we all would love to beat LSU this year. <laughs> I think – okay, so here's the thing. You know, when it comes to LSU, that is – that's the game. I mean – if you if you really look at it, you know we could have we could be over going into LSU, and if we beat LSU by some stretch of the imagination and be one and eight or one and seven, or what have you, you th- you would think Arkansas won the national title because of that coveted rivalry. Yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a very big deal in the state of Arkansas. I don't know how much it is for LSU fans because Arkansas takes that rivalry very seriously. And if you go look in the past, Arkansas usually plays LSU fairly close it's usually uh, very close games with the exception of the past two years i think we lost 38 to 10 at home two years ago like 33 to 10 last year but the majority of the time arkansas plays lsu uh, they're always instant classic games or or yeah. we blow them out uh, we so. got about two and a half minutes guys I, so. I gotta tell you our and again i'm gonna plug my other admin for uh, lsu with uh sec uncensored bayou bengal uh I, I hung out with him one time and it was kind of funny because we, I showed up in nothing but Arkansas gear, and he was wearing nothing but uh, LSU, but he would not let me live it down that we, he still had that boot. Yeah, yeah. And it, it hurts. It hurts. You don't, it does. Yeah, you, I remember watching in 2014, seeing our guys, when we shut them out 17 to nothing, you know, rushing to the other side of the field and taking the boot. I think that's the first time we'd had it in three years, I yeah, think. Mm-hmm. And then the fans stormed the field. And the fans stormed. Well, because that was Bielema's first SEC win. But that was just a really great moment to watch our guys run over Two there minutes, and hoist guys. that thing up. So what, was the, what year was it that David Basil spoke to the team and he says, it doesn't matter where you are on the field, when, you, when, when that clock hits zero, you take off and you grab that boot and you raise it high. And you saw it was on ESPN, I think, because they had moved it to like either ESPN or late. Um, they moved it off, uh, off of uh, CBS at this time, and uh, they did a wide shot of Razorback Stadium, and they, I mean, they took <clears throat> off. Everybody made a beeline over there. I don't even remember what year that was, but, but that's, that's a, it, great. it's it's yeah. things like that that you you take pride in. You know, you go. We have we're four and eight, but, <clears throat> but one of those four. Yeah. But we have the boot. Yeah. Okay, they're trying to make that same thing with the battle line rivalry. Yeah, it's it's forced where it just kind of formed with LSU. It just kind of grew with LSU. So whether or not we're going to beat LSU is kind of a toss up right now because we don't have um, we don't have a good idea as to you know how we're going to look right. at the end of at the uh, the at no, in November. But I think we'll touch on that when we get back a little bit. I think we can kind of oh break yeah, we're going to be breaking down the schedule bit. game by yeah. game coming up after the break. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we'll do that. Uh, please call in all your questions and all your comments at 501-823-0965. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Alan Kerr sitting in for Dave this afternoon. We'll be right back after these messages. Good afternoon, Arkansas. This is Alan Kerr in for the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave is out this afternoon, and we've got yet another action-packed hour of Zach uh, Razorback Zach uh, inside the hog pen and uh, Alex Carter and um, Alex and Carter Galbraith of the Gridiron Experts. I, I'm just going to I'm going to get that right sooner or later. You're getting there, <clears throat> getting there. 
Uh, we'd like to have your your comments. We're sitting there talking sports this afternoon, and we're going to uh, give you that number to to call in. It's 501-823-0965. We want your comments and your your opinions uh, to give these guys on this this sports talk that we got on this afternoon. Right now on the live line, we have 12th woman. We want to uh, welcome her to the show, and what what do you have for us? Just a quick question for Razorback, Zach. I know he wants to thank me for, you know, us losing our defensive coach to him, but I'm curious as to what he thinks the actual score is going to be when we come play him on the gridiron come September. All right, for those of you that don't know, that was my uh, that was our uh, A&M admin hashtag 12th woman for SEC Uncensored. And uh, go check it out, by the way, SEC Uncensored and NCAA Uncensored on Facebook. As far as the score, hmm. Now, you know, you and I both know this could go both ways. <laughs> no, it's only going to go one way. Oh, way is, that, is, that, is that so? <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I will say this. Uh, A&M has had Arkansas's number for a very long – I'm like, with five years now? Six years. Six years? Because I think yeah. the last time we beat them, we were not – they weren't in the conference yet. No, we played them in 2011 was the last time we beat yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think they were in the conference until, what, 12? 12. 12? 12. 12. 12. Okay, yeah. 12. Um. There's it's it's there's a lot of unknowns right now, but uh, at the moment, I I want to give the edge to A and M simply on experience. Um, there's a lot of unknowns on the Arkansas front on both sides of the ball, but uh, I'll give it to A and M. But uh, next year is going to be a different story. Once uh, once we get once we get our pieces in place and uh, the positions right, but uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll give it to you, twelfth woman. I, I'll uh, I'll give you the edge this year, at right now, but that might change come the uh, the start of the season once we get a couple of games under our belt. Mm, I look forward to this game. This might be a very interesting game to actually watch. Um, I think we're going to go off the side of Razorback football. I'm just going to brag on mine. I, I know everyone talks a lot of trash about Jimbo Fisher, but we'll see what Jimbo can do. I mean, we're paying him a lot of money to come into this program, and so um, if he performs the way I'm hoping he can perform – you know, hogs won't have a chance. Now on, the se- next on September the eighth, on the September the eighth, you guys got Clemson coming in. Yeah, you can go ahead and mark that one down as a loss. Are, 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 no, are we going to we going to talk oh. that one up too? Or are we just oh. you know we're not going to talk about that yeah, one? That was cold. <laughs> we can talk about that one. A and M is just one of those teams though that you know I, I'm very excited to see how they do with Jimbo coming into this year. Um, they did pay him a lot of money, so they better be getting some results. And I think you give him a couple of years, he could get them back up to the level that he did have at Florida State. I don't know if he's going to win a national championship with them, but he, he's going to get them up there uh, consistently. But everybody's kind of overhyping A&M a little bit this year. I'm um, very curious to see how it turns out. I don't think they beat Clemson in the second game of the season. I, who, who's A&M opening it up with? Oh, A&M opens up September 1st with Northwestern State. Yeah, so they'll, they'll breeze through that game easily. And then you got Clemson, you know, a team and, you know, that made the college football playoff last year, has two very capable quarterbacks and a, and a brutal, brutal defense. So... I don't see them taking down Clemson. I think A and M's set up for us for a mediocre season, seven wins, eight wins. You know, I'll give credit where credit's due. A and M is probably one of the one one of either one of two teams that plays Alabama down to the wire. Most years, yes. And in, in recent memory, yes. In recent memory, they, yeah. They've played them so i I'm, I'm gonna keep a very close eye on September twenty second when they when they travel to Tuscaloosa and uh Bryant Denny Stadium. Where they're going to take on Alabama, right? It'd be kind of interesting to see what happens. It's going to be very yeah, interesting. Yeah. You know, I'll cheer for anybody again who, that plays Alabama. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That'll be the Always. one thing me and you actually agree on. Oh my gosh, did y'all like, y'all don't like Alabama? 
Why? I don't think anybody but Alabama likes Alabama. Why, why, why does everybody hate Alabama? I think Alabama pays their fans. Oh my goodness! That is not a. <laughs> that is that is not far from the truth. If you if you want, think about it, uh, the rest of your schedule, twelfth woman, shapes up. I mean, November twenty fourth. Like I said, you've got LSU, um, Ole Miss on November tenth. Uh, is there any game on your schedule that that you have a question about? I think, uh, well, no, I already know that we probably are not going to beat Alabama again. We just like to play them to the wire. But I feel like, in all fairness, if the boys would play to that kind of caliber all year round, we would be a competing for um, a decent bowl game and stuff like that. You know, LSU is going to be tricky. They're coming to our turf this year. I remember being at the LSU game that last year, and that was just miserable. The whole team gave up. Um, there was no fire, no spark. So it'll be interesting to see what Jimbo can do for that final game of the season. Do you contribute that collapse to uh, the coaching staff or the players? I think a little bit of both. I think the problem that I um, that I had with the former coaching staff is there was no mm, what's the word for it? There's no umph behind it. it was no determination. Kind of how kind of how Brett Bielema was on the sideline with Arkansas. No zip. Yeah. The one I'm looking forward to outside of Alabama is when you travel to Mississippi State and uh, Mississippi State at Starkville. Um, they've got a couple of guys coming back. Do you think that would probably be a loss for A&M? Mm, maybe. Yes, uh, in fact. <laughs> you didn't didn't hesitate on that one, did you? No. If you go look at Mississippi State, they they are definitely poised to potentially be top three in the West, if not challenging Auburn for that second spot in the West. I, I think LSU is going to have a down year. Alabama, of course, will be number one. Mississippi State, uh, tons of returning starters back. They're bringing a new coach, Joe Moorhead, offensive coordinator at Penn State. A quarterback. Uh, and quarterback Nick Fitzgerald uh, coming yeah. back from his injury. As long as he's healthy, they're going to be very, very dangerous because Joe Moorhead knows how to run an offense. And when you have a quarterback like Nick Fitzgerald, they're going to be dangerous, and then they have tons of returning stars on the defensive side of the ball. Now, so. keep in mind, both sides in the East and the West, anytime uh, more in the West than, than in the East, when these teams have down years, look out. Because they could take something. There is there is a team out there. We don't know right now because we, there's a lot of unknowns, even with A&M, with, uh, even with Alabama right now. There's a lot of unknowns going on. So watch out. One of these teams in the West is going to come up oh, and absolutely. spook everybody. It absolutely. Could be, it could be an LSU. It could be an Ole Miss. Because everybody's writing them off because of all the sanctions and everything from good old Hugh Freeze. It could be an A&M with Jimbo Fisher. You know, we don't know yet. It always it happens every year, and I'm, I'm excited to check it out. I'm, we're just going to have to well, run through those schedules and take a look. You know, you kind of, once you kind of see the returning starters, that's how I base off my predictions is based off of uh, home field advantage, returning starters, and then obviously how their schedule shapes up. So right. a lot of contributing factors to that. All right, 12th woman, thank you for calling in. And uh, I'll see you back on SEC Uncensored. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys, for having me. Okay. Always well, love I'm, to hear a little I'm, smack talk from my fellow admins over at SEC Uncensored. Uh, you got to tell me one day why she calls herself 12th woman, but okay. So I, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll give you that brief down. So each of us have our own hashtags over at SEC Uncensored. Right. Um, of course, my moniker is Razorback Zach. Yeah. I've had that for years. Hers is 12th woman because they call the, the crowd – down at, at A&M, uh-huh. the 12th man, because they are so loud down there. They they play such a big role at home. Uh, you, know, you got 11 guys on the field, uh, so A&M oh, yeah. plays as a 12th oh, And she's oh, the 12th oh, woman. Oh. <clears throat> got it, got it, got it. Okay. But, I mean, we've got guys there that, you know, Mike the Tiger, Bayou Bengal. Yeah. Uh, 
the, the Plainsman. You know, okay. we've even we added another Razorback admin. I want to give a shout out to his name is Boss Hall. Sounds like a singing group to me. The, so uh, the Klansman. I mean, yeah. But uh, like I said, thank thank you guys from uh, SCC Uncensored for for Twelfth Woman calling in. But uh, going back on our schedule, I mean, you've got Eastern Illinois, Colorado State, and North Texas before you start SEC play. Yeah, I think I think Arkansas goes a, a easy three and zero in their in their first three games. Uh, Eastern Illinois at Colorado State, North Texas. Um, you know, the only questions I have with that is Colorado State and North Texas both have fairly decent offenses, uh, so that's something to kind of keep in mind to see how quickly our defense can adjust. And, and being on the road at Colorado State is not going to be easy. You're not going to, uh, you know, on the road with didn't some that that replace, team. Didn't that replace the team that we were supposed to play? Yes, unfortunately. This Wasn't that year, the Michigan series? We were supposed yeah. to play Michigan. Uh, and they backed out on us to renew their series with Notre Dame. And since they did it so late, uh, right so close to 2018, uh, there's a rule in the NCAA where you're required, every Power 5 team is required to play at least one other Power 5 team uh, in their non-conference schedule. That's why A&M is playing Clemson. Alabama usually opens uh, with a big team in their, in their first game of the season. Uh, this year we were going to play Michigan, which is going to be huge. I was excited for that. Go to Ann Arbor and then have them come down to Fayetteville. And they broke that off with us. So that's why we do not have a Power 5 school on our schedule. Got about uh, 20 seconds, guys, before we have to take a break. Uh, I'm going to throw this question yeah. at you uh, to, to talk about during, after we get back. Do you think that because we don't have a Power 5 non-conference team, is that going to hurt our uh, our Arkansas chances in the postseason? Is that they're going to look at it and go, well, they didn't play anybody. Well, we play in the SEC West. We, we play people every single week in fact we've got what i like to call a gauntlet coming up that uh coming up after the break yeah yeah we'll definitely be discussing that when we get back from the break it'll be uh something something to definitely keep in mind but something that i think uh any committee would would take into account that we're not playing a power five opponent but we'll discuss more of that later okay this is uh alan kerr in for dave ellswick this afternoon uh talking to razorback zach and the gridiron experts We'll be right back after these messages with lots more sports. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Um, uh, pinch hitting for Dave this afternoon. In the studio, we have uh, Razorback Zach with, the, with Inside the Hog Pen. Got the gridiron experts, Alex and Carter Galbraith. Uh, we want you to call in and ask us questions about sports, talking everything sports this afternoon, 501-823-0965. So where would we leave off, guys? Uh, we were just predicting the Razorback football schedule for this upcoming season. I think we had us at 3-0 and so far with wins over Eastern Illinois at Colorado State in North Texas, so a fairly easy uh, non-conference slate. But now we've got ourselves heading into SEC play with a road game at Auburn. And you take Auburn, I guess. Okay. Uh, I've got us losing. He did not want to touch Auburn. Yeah, not want to touch on Auburn. <laughs> touch on Auburn I've got bit. us losing uh, – at Auburn, and as much as I hate to say that, because I, I really am uh, not a bit the biggest fan of the Tigers there, but uh, with it being Morris's first you know true test, our first true test on the road, Auburn's a very hostile environment. If you remember, last time we were there, we lost fifty-six to three, and that was with a somewhat decent team. Uh, so this year, Ouch. a lot of yeah, a lot of uh, <laughs> that was embarrassing. Yeah, it was it was over by the first quarter. Yeah, it was yeah, over after the first offensive play for Auburn. You, I could tell. I remember screaming at the radio, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Auburn's always a tough place to play. I mean, if if they're good and they show up, it's it's almost always a loss for you. But Auburn is one of those teams, though. 
every time I look at it, I, I just feel they're extremely overrated. And if you go and look, I mean, they've it's got... It's the Gus bus. What do you talent. expect? They've got talent. I, I, I like Gus Malzahn. I think he's a solid coach, but everybody praises uh, their quarterback right now, Jarrett Stidham. I think he was a junior college transfer. He was at Baylor his freshman year, went to junior college, and then played his first year at Auburn last year. And everybody thought he's the savior, pretty he, much. He was, yeah, that he was going to come in there, win the Heisman, take Auburn to the national championship. <clears> which, <throat> granted, they got close. They almost made the college football playoff. Made the they lost to the no, they, they lost to the champ, the national champion. Well, they lost. They beat they beat Bama. Played Georgia. In Man, the they SEC. lost. They lost to uh, UC, was it UCF that claimed the national right. title. Right. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. The undisputed or yeah. But. It's one of those things where I think Auburn's just always, always overrated. And even when they lose a game that maybe they shouldn't or lose a game in, in blowout fashion, if you go and watch the rankings, they don't drop that much. It's like they want Auburn to stay up there because they know they want that big Iron Bowl finish at the end of the season yeah. between Alabama and Auburn. That could determine the West. But I've got us Arkansas. And that was, that was a good Iron Bowl last year. That was a great it was, one. It was. A big upset. Um, it didn't matter. Alabama still went on to win the national championship. But I've got Arkansas losing on the road to Auburn. I don't think it's going to be that close. I think it's going to be kind of a culture shock for Morris uh, and our squad. It's also going to depend on how we look at coming out of our first three games. But that's going to be a very, very tough environment, especially if it's a night game. Uh, I just don't see us going in there and snatching a win um, away from Auburn there. You know, if anything, being that, like you said, this is Chad Morris's first year, I like, I like that this is his first true test. I mean, yeah, the first three are going to be – kind of kind of challenging for him to figure out okay this didn't work so let's try this 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 way but you're looking at you're looking at an SEC West not even not just not just a, a, an opponent but you know they're they're it's forming into a rivalry because of everything that happened in the offseason with coach, with uh, Gus Malzahn and and Bielema and, yeah. and Malzahn also had bad blood they had the bad blood from the yeah. beginning now if we and and I I'm with you I have us I have us at a loss on this one too but uh if if some by chance we get blown out, you're gonna have these fans out there going, "Well, that could have been us. This could have, you know, Gus Malzahn could have done this to our team." A first year coach, it is always a hit and miss. Always, it's yeah. like you said. In the, it's like you said in the first hour. Look at look at Bobby Vitrino, Brett Bielema, and then look at Houston Nutt. Look at what he did his first year. Yeah. And well, you can even go back and look at what Gus Malzahn did his first year at Auburn. If y'all remember, Gus Malzahn came over. Uh, from Arkansas State, took the Auburn job, and his first year got them to the national championship. Mm-hmm. Lost, almost won that game. They lost to Jameis Winston, Jimbo Fisher, and Florida State. But he almost won the national championship in his first year there. He inherited a team that he was somewhat familiar with because he served as offensive coordinator there for a while before he took the A-State job, which was all just a big scheme because he knew there was that Gene Shizik wasn't going to uh, last there at Auburn. So no. leave Arkansas State one year, then go take that Auburn job. He knew what he was doing, but... He almost won the national championship there. So he's right. You don't know what's going to happen with a new head coach now. I don't think Chad Morris is going to get us anywhere near a national championship in his first year. But um, I, give it, I give it year three. You don't know. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But they, there's there's definitely a lot of potential here. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. This is our first true road test, and I think it's going to be a major culture shock. But Chad Morris seems like the type of guy that if we were to go in there and get blown out or lose in a heartbreaking fashion, he's going to make sure he fixes that problem. Or, or make sure our team doesn't get down themselves, unlike what Bielema did. Uh, over and just his throw his hands up and go, well, that didn't work. Yep, that didn't work. Oh, well, try to get him next time. So, guys, we, we that's on September 22nd. Now, we roll into the very next week, September 29th, in Dallas at Cowboys Stadium, and we play in the Southwest Classic. 
And our record there is 0 and 5. 0 and 5 since since A&M joined the SEC. Yes. Okay. It's like we were talking about with 12th woman on the phone. There's there's a, there's still a lot of missing pieces and a lot of open questions. What do you guys think? So, for Chad Morris in this game, that is one of the major games this season. A&M is the, one of the only SEC teams other than Alabama that Brett Bielema was never able to beat. It was either always a close game, like last year we we lost in overtime, didn't we? Was, yeah, we well, lost we, in there overtime. Was, there like were several, years. I mean, there were several years, games yeah. in over t- that we lost in overtime. There was that one year, I mean, Austin Allen got beat up. And now, we, did, we got I, blown I'm, out. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you for a minute. You know, at, at one point a few years back, we had them on the ropes with two minutes to go, and we just we collapsed. That has been our that has been our Achilles heel for years against that's guys. Been the like, not just in that game. That's, that's been the motto of sport. Arkansas football for the past two decades. It's just collapsed. Yeah. yeah, you you get down there, you know, you're and it's all in the in the in the in the preseason. You always see these these significant foot injuries. It's always been the key player, and it's always at running back. Right. You're not hearing anything of like that this year. You're not hearing of any significant end. Now, we, we're still a ways away from fall yes, camp. Yes, big time. You know, we got to get to SEC media days first. And that's, that's you know, once you hit SEC media days, you know, okay, college football is right around the corner to start watching for those injuries. I'm not saying we're going to go into Dallas and come out a, a, with a win, but this could be this could be the coming out for Chad Morris if his pieces are in place. If he has it down pat where he knows, okay, this is what didn't work against Auburn. Let's try it here. Well, that's five games into the season. Didn't you say, is, did A&M have Alabama the week before that? Uh, hang on just a second. The 22nd? Because that's five weeks into the season, and um, we should have a decent idea of kind of where we stand. Yeah, they play, how, they play in Tuscaloosa. A&M has uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa the, the week prior to us. So I think both of these guys, us and A&M, are going to be fairly similar. We have the potential of coming out um, – Go one up, minute, guys. Beat up after a game at Auburn. A&M, the same scenario, coming out beat up after Alabama. I think A&M has the potential of coming out more beat up than we do after a game in Tuscaloosa because Alabama's going to be dominant this year. You know, we've got we've got an advantage, and uh, I'll touch on it after the break, and I know you had something that you wanted to uh, to say, Carter. But uh, this A&M-Alabama game coming up on the 22nd has its advantages for the both of us. Absolutely. No doubt. And yeah. we'll, like I said, we'll touch on that after the break. Yeah. Yep. Coming in after the break. Wants your calls. We want your opinions. Five zero one eight two three zero nine six five for these guys. Uh, Razorback Zach with um, um, inside the hog pen and the gridiron experts here. They're here to answer all your questions. I'm Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Talk to you right after the break. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr uh, pinch hitting for Dave Ellswick uh, here on one hundred one point one. The answer. I'm here in studio with. Uh, Razorback Zach of Inside the Hog Pen and the Gridiron Experts Alex and uh, Carter Galbraith. We're all talking sports and uh, what our predictions are for the next uh, few months is of sports coming up season. We just got through talking about uh, everything uh, Razorback football. Uh, have we have we pretty much saturated football guys, or are we we moving into baseball yet? I think we were finishing up the schedule yeah. real quick. Yeah, I think uh, we kind of addressed the first almost half of the schedule. We've got Arkansas sitting at 3-1 and one, uh, going into the Texas A&M game. And 
that that's one of those as Carter mentioned earlier is a game that's really big for Chad Morris considering Bielema can never beat A and M uh, during his time at Arkansas and, and all these games for the most part against A and M at, at Dallas Stadium have been very very close. So I don't know about you guys, man. As a toss up, I'm I'm leaning towards a loss, but I can see that being a win. I don't know about you guys. That's always one that that can. I mean, no matter what the state of either team could go either way. Yes, big time. And one of the things that, uh, like Alex said before, either way, it's going to be us. We could be beat up after Auburn because it's on the road, and Alabama could beat up A and M just as much as Auburn could beat us up. So it just depends on how well. The way we got to look at it is how well did Texas A and M play against Alabama, and compare it to the way we played against Auburn. And honestly, if they're if Auburn and Alabama are pretty much even. That's how we decide who's the better team, looking at it before we go into that week. Now, before the break, I threw out there that this could be benef- the, the A&M-Alabama game could be beneficial to, to us as Razorbacks, and here's why. The very next week, we play Alabama. So we roll in, you know, they play each other, and then we roll in to Dallas and play A&M, and the very next week, we, t- we, we play Alabama. Now, we all know, as long as Nick Saban is drawing a paycheck and breath, in Tuscaloosa, that's probably going to be a loss. You know, we went two years oh, back yeah. to back where it was fifty-two to nothing. Yeah, to yeah. nothing. Alabama is certainly a loss. Uh, so we're we're not even going to touch on that one. Yeah. Uh, October thirteenth, you get Ole Miss. That one could probably be a win down but, here in Little Rock. I, I would mark that as a win. I mean, they they last game last year's game was an instant <clears throat> classic. Coming down was it thirty-one to seven, something like that. That one was a ten, was a nail biter. And and they're going to have a very very explosive offense this year. Ole Miss is so that game is going to be one where we're going to have to really rely on our defense. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss is, isn't going to have a defense, so I see another being another shootout. I think it was thirty-eight thirty-seven last year. Mm-hmm. Came um, down to a last-second field goal. Yeah. So you know our defense is going to really have to step up, and if they don't step up, we're going to hope our offense is able to exploit that defense like we did last year, and we could be in for another shootout down here in Little Rock. But yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards a win. On on that one and that section of the schedule you've got Ole Miss here in Little Rock Tulsa Vanderbilt a bye week and then LSU so you have if you count Little Rock as a home game which I do it's actually going all the way back to Alabama you've got five straight home games now we know we're going to probably lose to Alabama so you got four straight games there that I think you could potentially win I think Ole Miss is a win Tulsa a non-conference game not an easy game especially with the type of offense they run but should be a win there Vanderbilt one of the weaker teams in the SEC let alone the SEC East potential win there then a bye week right before lsu which we talked a lot about that earlier in the show that i could easily see that being a win for us being at home and also coming out of a bye week time to rest up and prepare for it going in going into lsu was you've got that bye week which i like i have to agree with you that bye week just before battle for the boot is very beneficial it will we, we always wasted our bye week right before alabama and it was yeah. it was always it never pointless. did anything it was always for us. pointless yeah it, it never did anything so I, I i like the way that this one's shaped up i've got us at six and two already going into going into lsu the last three you've got lsu mississippi state and then you you uh you've got battle the battle line rivalry day after thanksgiving right and of those three i don't see why we can't go two and one yeah, or I, even or even if we're lucky, three and zero. Yeah, that would be a very very lucky. And we, and we usually play well against Mississippi State. Uh, usually play well against them regardless of the location. But I'm marking that Mississippi. I'm marking down LSU as a win for now. LSU's going to have a fairly strong defense. Offense going to have a lot of problems, and Ed Ogeron, I think, could certainly be on 
uh, the hot seat uh, at this year, especially if he can't improve those results. Um, Mississippi State on the road, I think that's a loss there. Mississippi State's offense is going to be way, way too explosive for our uh, our defense, which obviously has a lot of questions surrounding it. And then Missouri to close out the season, that's also on the road. If you remember a couple of years ago, we blew a 24-7 lead there. I was at that game, extremely painful. Um they have a really, really solid quarterback, NFL-ready quarterback in Drew Locke yeah. that picked us apart both those years, uh, last year and the year before that. So with that one being on the road, I'm marking that one down as a loss as for now, but that's another one of those games, kind of like A&M, where I can see it going either way. So I've got us, if I go, if I look at this, I think I've got us going about 7-5. and five right See, that's, what I, that's about, right about where I've got us. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's. There's a couple reasonable. of them that can make us go six and six, but but right. I don't see us going any higher than eight and four. Yeah, I no. see. I see seven and five or six and six. Yeah. we're not going above that. No, not this year. Yeah, I know a lot of the national, uh, the, the media, and some of the analysts out there have us going about five and seven. I'm sure they're they're counting um, LSU as a loss. LSU as a loss, or potentially Ole Miss. Um, you know, some of those toss up games. But like Zach said earlier, a lot of these games have the potential to be toss ups. Now the question, once again, I saw. One analyst have us at zero and eight in the SEC. That doesn't surprise me. No one likes Arkansas. No. So. Zero and eight. Zero and eight. That's that's insulting. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and that, that doesn't surprise me though. It's just how that's that's what people do. They they assume the worst when when they when they predict Arkansas or analyze Arkansas because we 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 haven't been relevant in years. So right. Why does it matter? And but, when we were relevant, we'd get to the SEC title game and and lose. Badly on a muff punt, right? Yeah. And we're not gonna talk about that. Um, <laughs> do we have time to switch gears into Razorback baseball? Absolutely. We are one of six SEC teams in Super Regionals playing this weekend. Uh, we uh, it's gonna be the Arkansas, Florida, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Auburn, and South Carolina are the six teams in Super Regionals this this, uh, uh, this weekend. Now we've got some breaking news. If uh, it, for those of y'all listening, uh, we've had four. Uh, Razorback baseball players taken in the, the uh, major league draft, major league baseball draft today. Uh, Blaine Knight was the first one taken in the third round, 87th pick overall to Baltimore. Eric Cole was taken fourth round, 122nd pick overall to Kansas City Royals. Wait, today was draft day. Today was major league draft day for ah. uh, major league baseball. Grant wow. Cook was uh, fifth round to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the last one that just happened not a uh, uh, little a uh, little less than an hour ago. Jax Biggers, the eighth round to the Texas Rangers. Guys, we got uh, South Carolina coming in a bomb this this Saturday for Super Regionals. We are two wins away from going back to Omaha. Yeah, this is this is a very, very exciting time if, if, if you watch any Razorback basketball. Before we get into that, one thing you said, we have six SEC teams in the Super Regionals. Uh, something that I thought was very interesting is that all six of those teams are playing each other. Yes, Arkansas versus South Carolina, Florida versus Auburn, and then Vanderbilt versus Mississippi State. So this is the SEC tournament all over again. We're guaranteed three SEC teams in uh, the College World Series, which is pretty exciting. You know, in the in the regional this this past weekend um, at Baum in the Fayetteville Regional, you had Oral Roberts ten to two, Southern Miss ten to two, and then what I thought was probably the most outstanding game of the weekend, four uh, three Dallas Baptist. Uh, Kerstead's catch there towards the end, uh, probably the play of the year and the catch of the year. That was uh, he had he got some distance and some air under him in that one. That was a great play, and, and it landed him number two on Sports Center's top ten. And he made uh, up for that drop. He did. He made up for that drop. And yeah, you know, I was t- talking point. to uh, our other Razorback admin on SEC Uncensored about a Boss Hog, 
And he and I both were like, he were just amazed at how high he got. Yeah, and, and, and when we go back and look at that, it really saved the game. Arkansas won that game four to three. I think that home run that he robbed, had he missed, would have made it. I think three to three, or actually taking the lead for Dallas Baptist. So we. I think that tied. was a game tying home run. We would have been tied in the ninth inning had he not uh, saved uh, that home, robbed that home run. So that was a very big play, and, and then. Then you know if Arkansas had lost that game, we would have been uh, to a winner takes all, um, you know, game three or whatever, whatever you want to have it. The, the last day of the regionals would have been a winner take all, yeah. and we could have been eliminated. And on a weekend uh, where we saw some very good national seeds like Clemson and Florida State lose their regionals at home, uh, that would have been really disappointing for us to be among those uh, those group of teams. So now we got South Carolina coming in this weekend. Uh, we're three and one against them this year, uh, playing them. They only went. Uh, South Carolina was actually the only SEC team to beat us at Bomb Stadium this year. Yep. Um, I feel very, very confident about getting back. Game to one, first pitch is Saturday, June 9th at Bomb Stadium at five thirty. Sunday at uh, two p.m. And if need be, and I'll, do they play all three? Uh, no, it's best two out of three. So. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, guys, we got to take a break here and uh, make some money for the station. Uh, this is Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. We're talking sports, and uh, we'll be right back after the break. Good afternoon. This is Alan Kerr, pinch hitting for Dave Ellswick. We're in studio with Razorback Zach of uh, the Hog Pen, inside the Hog Pen, and uh, the Gridiron Experts, Alex and Carter Galberth. we uh, got a caller, uh, Richard in Little Rock. You want to know about Travis Wood? What would you yeah, like I'm, to know, I'm, Richard? I've been trying to keep up with Travis with his injury and everything, but I want to know what's what's the latest on him. And I have a suggestion: if he if he can play again, I think he needs to go to the center field or left field or right field and and act like Babe Ruth and hit home runs every every day. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so the latest latest on Travis for for those of you that don't know, uh, I believe he grew up in Bryant, uh, pitched in the major leagues, been pitching in the major leagues since about 2009, 2010. Uh, and like Richard just said, uh, was one of the better home run hitting pitchers, I, I thought, in all of the major leagues. Uh, he bounced around for uh, on multiple teams, the Reds, uh, the Padres, and most re- recently with the Tigers. Uh, almost pitched back in 2010, I know it was a long time ago, almost pitched a perfect game uh, in 2010 against the Phillies. Lost it in the bottom of the ninth. So um one one of the more underrated uh pitchers i thought won a world series with the cubs actually hit a home run uh during their world series run there latest on him though is he tore his acl with the uh detroit tigers and was released on march 8th so right now uh, i know he's trying to um go through rehab and trying to trying to get a little bit better uh he's a free agent right now they, they cut him so uh, hopefully he will be able to get back into baseball and, and i agree that he should uh certainly move out he's got the arm uh, as we've seen as a pitcher so you switch him out to about center field right field somewhere around there where he can hit a little bit more uh he could actually be very dangerous and very useful um for any mlb team that wants to pick him up so uh, i think that would be a great idea but right now he's not playing with anybody and it, it could be a little long road to recovery um for sure and one thing i'm worried about for him is he's in his 13th year he was drafted in 2005 and he he didn't play very often with the cubs unless he was a he was a relief pitcher wasn't he yeah, he was a starter for a while, and they switched him to relief, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, every once in a while, I mean, they'd put him up at at that, and he'd usually almost hit a home run every time. And now that he tore his ACL, I, ho- I hope not, but it could be the end of his career, so I'm hoping that he gets better soon and he gets back in the game. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, great question, great question. Thank you, Richard. 
All right, guys. Uh, where where were we before the break? Uh, we just finished up talking about um, Arkansas and South Carolina and the Super Regionals uh, coming up this Saturday, and I think we kind of touched all the way on that. I think um, obviously a big game for the Hogs, big series for the Hogs. It's best two out of three, so hopefully they can win both of those. They, they're three and one against South Carolina um, this season, only losing once uh, back in April uh, to them in a series at Bomb Stadium. Uh, one thing, I'm, I'll just do a quick plug real quick, is that uh, the World Cup is coming up this uh, next week. Next week, the World Cup starts out in Russia. Uh, so obviously that's very exciting, only coming around every four years uh, for the men's. Next year will, of course, be the Women's World Cup. Um, one thing to note for those that don't keep up with soccer that much, that the United States will not be playing in this year's World Cup, which was very, very, very disappointing. Yeah, very disappointing. Bummer. Which, yeah, big time, big time. For those of you that watch soccer, I mean... Uh, usually we make it. Uh, I can't remember the last time we didn't make it. Honestly, I don't see the United States ever winning a World Cup because I don't see us competing against some of the international teams like in Argentina or Germany, Brazil, those type of guys. But it's always good to have your, your home country uh, in there to support. Uh, they just had a horrible – you know, these teams qualify – uh, for years to try to get rack up enough points to get into the World Cup, and they just weren't able to do that. Um, but this year should be a very exciting World Cup out in Russia. I'm predicting a final somewhere between uh, Germany and Spain or Germany and Brazil, somewhere around there. It depends on how the group stages fall. Um, but I think it's going to be very, very exciting uh, between all these 32 teams. So next week, I believe it starts next Friday or next Thursday, the World Cup starts. Uh, I'm personally pulling for Iceland and England, um, but be curious to see how, uh, how everything turns out. Iceland and England, why? Yeah. Iceland was a big underdog a couple of years ago in the Euros and made a heck of a run. Uh, if you go and watch some of their videos on YouTube, uh, the Skull chant uh, they did, I mean, it was such an under like no one saw that run coming and just the way their country backed them up. And then England, I've always been a big supporter of them and their club. Uh, so I'm very excited to see how that turns out. Wow. Okay. Good deal. We think, Zach. <laughs> I think I'm going to stick to American football. There, there you, you go. go. To real football. Yeah, uh, you, you start talking soccer, and that's real way, football. I'm not, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know jack about soccer. Well, it, it uses a round ball instead of an yeah. oblong one. All right. <laughs> Some people also call it football as well. Yeah, football. Yeah. Football. All right, so we got uh, just about five minutes left on the show, guys. Uh, tell everybody how to get in touch with you and, and, and uh, how to get um, more of your opinions and insights on uh i think uh, uh you do a youtube channel yeah so i ha- i'm on youtube uh the gridiron expert uh you can also follow us on instagram we're working on getting to twitter as well so you can check that periodically but uh what we do on youtube is basically we break down anything college football uh our biggest thing is uh preseason predictions uh for every power five team and, and also including the independents those are going to start on june 29th we put out a video about that <laughs> Uh, and that's always a, a very exciting deal. We predict every team's record, and then as the season progresses, we review uh, how we did and analyze, you know, kind of how the season's going. So we have a lot of videos coming out on that. We're up to 985 subscribers, so please go out there and check out our channel and subscribe if you like it because we'd love to hit 1,000 here before predictions start in a few weeks. Um, but other than that, go check us out on Instagram, at the Gridiron Expert, and on YouTube, uh, the Gridiron Expert. So, so what's your record? I mean, is, do you keep track of how often you're right? Yeah, yeah. When I did uh, predictions last season, I can't remember the record off the top of my head, but it was a 76% winning percentage. Uh, and that's over 500 games that I predicted uh, over all the Power 5 teams. So, you wow. know, over three out of four times I was correct. So really? I, I consider that a win. You ever consider yeah. horse racing? 
A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. That's what people well, tell I'm going to take you yeah. with me. Yeah, wow. there you go. <laughs> nah, he loses money there. <clears throat> yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Zach, how do you get How do I get hold of you? All right. So I've got two uh, blogs. That are, uh, we do uh, via Facebook Lives inside the hog pen. And uh, a buddy of mine, me and Hogman Hopkins, both uh, ho- host it. And uh, we're up to 300 on Inside the Hog Pen. I also host a regional one that covers all 14 teams of the SEC. That's over on SEC Uncensored. We've got about 26, about to cross over 27,000 fans there. Um, me and a, and a collaboration of other people from across the conference. Um, we've got two shows, Wednesdays on Facebook. Um, that'll they'll, they'll both start firing up again probably around 1st of July, getting yeah. ready for SEC Media Days. And uh, uh, just giving views and opinions for fans by two average joe fans uh, breaking it down not, not like these big talking heads that you see in the national media but uh and we do the same thing for all 14 teams uh on the sec uncensored show we're also bro- uh, going to be rolling out a podcast on july 1st as well good deal good so, deal looking forward to that well um how often are you right <laughs> you know they call him Zach the Prophet. You knew that. Right? That is an old. Yeah, oh, well, oh. All right, all right. Y'all, time. Randy Rainwater over on Drive Time Sports gave me that moniker when I was probably about seventeen. Yeah. Because I picked about four games in a row every for four weeks straight, and I haven't been right much since. <laughs> so you're telling me that that your your success rate is not near as what his is. Right? I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna take a backseat to this guy right here. He, oh, okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> I give I give views and opinions and break it down. He was the one that makes the predictions. So uh, you know. Okay. Well, we got one minute left. Uh, you know uh, how do they get in touch with you? Got a um, uh, both on Facebook uh, inside the hog pen and uh, SEC uncensored as well as NCAA uncensored. And that's what they put in there. That is what you put in the search okay. bar, and it's that simple. Alex. Yeah, uh, you can Google us, uh, the Gridiron Expert. I prefer going on to the YouTube app or going online to YouTube, the Gridiron Expert. We're also on Instagram and about to be on Twitter at the Gridiron Expert as well. So go out and check us out, and please subscribe and help us get up to 1,000 subscribers. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in today. We had lots of fun. Stay tuned. We're going to have Matt Smith in this afternoon to talk uh, everything movies for the uh, upcoming summer and summer movie uh, lineup. So uh, stay tuned. I'm Alan Kerr in for Dave Ellswick. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you right back after the break. Go Hawks. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 